Listen up, Gotham. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Ooh. Hi, puns, it's me, Harley Quinn. This is Batman. This is Robin. Tune into the Bat Fanatic Podcast. The Bat Fanatic Podcast. The Bat Fanatic Podcast. The Bat Fanatic Podcast with Sammy Warmhands. With Sammy Warmhands. The Bat Fanatic Podcast. Bat Fanatic Podcast. Although, Sam, you might think about changing the name. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic Podcast. I am recording on July 18th, which is the 15-year anniversary of a landmark film, not just for DC, but for the entire genre. I want to shout out our Season 3 sponsor, The Nando Knight. You follow on Instagram at The Nando Knight. He just dropped some awesome claim sales on there, like Gotham Girls, Dark Knight Returns. And you can also follow on Shortboxed at TNK Comics. We are reissuing an episode from 2020 because the cultural significance of this moment cannot be understated. So if you haven't heard this before, if you haven't heard it in a while, this is Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight. Hi, Ben. Are you, um, is this up to your standards now? Yeah, I feel like I'm here, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> As, as much as I can be cognizant on any given day. All right. Well, we know who that is. We got Evil in the house. Hello, everyone. Before we get into this one, I just wanted to shout out Jeff Garland followed us. I thought that was really cool. I don't know if he listens to the show or if he just likes the pictures I post or something, but that's cool. He's just a Sammy Warmhands fan. He just likes your hair. Yeah. Curb Your Enthusiasm, Goldberg's Jeff Garland. Yeah, yeah. Like, huge fan of Curb. It's like the funniest show fucking ever made. So that that made my day. And then um, Jim Ballant, the Catwoman artist, was uh, commenting on pictures of the new, uh, newly rearranged wall here uh, of autographs and memorabilia. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I forget that this dude follows us, too. Like, that's so cool, man. So just wanted to shout out those guys who uh been following for a long time. Climbing the ranks, boys. We'll be celebrities in no time. <laughs> <laughs> Soon our 500 followers will be 600 followers. Oh. Yeah. Making the bucks, shaking the hands, not kissing babies. Using the bucks, washing your hands. Yeah, also not shaking hands either, so just making the bucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So the dark night... 2008, written by Jonathan Nolan and Christopher Nolan, story by Christopher Nolan and David S. Goyer, starring, my God, Christian Bale, Heath Ledger, Maggie Gyllenhaal, thank God, Gary Oldman, Aaron Eckhart, Morgan Freeman, Evan, are you awake? And Michael Caine, composed, of course, by Hans Zimmer. And... Uh, this is my favorite thing on any podcast list, long list of things. So It's not like that it. long. It's like also, I'm just, 30 I'm just seconds. I'm my notes anyways. I'm, uh, I'm prepping myself for the long journey ahead. Yeah, we talked a little bit, I think, in the first one, the Batman Begins episode. We don't normally talk about cinematographers. You know, we don't list every fucking person who worked on the film. But again, like <laughs> Wally Pfister, Nolan's right hand, just, man, a beautiful... Beautiful job on this movie. 
I was thinking about just, it with this one. I uh, I watched it with my dad because we've been watching like one movie a week. So I'm like, oh, I can kill two birds with one stone. Get my <laughs> my social interaction with you guys and my social interaction with him down in just one movie. Wait, so did you cancel last week because you hadn't fucking watched it yet? No, I I had already watched it. and I've seen this movie okay. many times. No, I just didn't want to talk to you guys. That's okay. <laughs> um, Understandable. But, but the uh, so like parts of this movie, especially the beginning feel a little corny to me and it's not bad it's still really good but what elevates it and saves it is the cinematography even if the dialogue is a little corny or some of the characters are like the gangsters and mobsters are a little corny it just looks so good everything about it is just a joy to watch you think some of the characters or some of the lines are silly yeah i mean that's like one of my central points about this movie so i'll hold back a little bit and we'll weave it in but, <laughs> and it, it's not something it's not something i felt the first couple of times i watched it but this time definitely like, my dad fell asleep during this movie i was really excited for him to watch it and he fell asleep well your dad he sucks no he'd never seen it and he would like wake up every now and then and like there'd be an actor on the screen and he'd go oh who's that again like it's a batman dad <laughs> don't pretend it's freaking batman all right Ben, I've been rereading Berserk. I'm on book 13. That's like the first eclipse has officially started, and Griffith is has like actually sacrificed everybody, and he's turning into Semta. But the cover of book 13 has like guts, bloody guts, holding naked Casca, and he already has a stump for an arm and stuff. And I'm like, well, this is spoiler city right here. <laughs> yeah, you know, that book is not going to end well when you get the cover of that. Like, this looks bad. Like, it already looks bad already, but he's got, like, a meat chunk for an arm, and she's naked. What if it happens in the first act? You know, a lot of trailers will show you some crazy shit, but it's from the beginning of the movie. I would be yeah. okay with that, but I bet you it's the cliffhanger of the book. It, it, but it only gets better from here. And I'm flipping. It's approximately halfway through the book, so there's uh, quite a lot of bad stuff. In here. Well, you spoiled it for yourself anyway. I know, but I've read this multiple <laughs> times anyway. So. Man, you Welcome know when... to the Berserk Fan Addict Podcast. Hey! Only Berserk, all Berserk, all the time. All monsters, all dicks. I don't talk. Yeah. <laughs> you know when you just have... When you know something isn't going to be very good, and then... Like you... this episode? <laughs> no, it is going to be good. We're just working at the kids. Wow. So I think The Dark Knight is an excellent movie, but I do think the beginning is a little corny. You know what? And Fuck you. I'm not even going to take it there yet. Because I, I, this movie, we have to acknowledge at least the uh, the cultural context of this. I mean, again, we talked about Begins was not huge. You, but you said it at the beginning. What year is this? 2008. Okay. So this is MySpace age, right? And so long ago. What was happening was Ledger died before it came out, right? Compounded with the fact that you have this amazing sort of grassroots marketing campaign that they did where we started seeing all these campaign websites and promos and things that were just, I believe in Harvey Dent. That was everywhere. And then when the trailers dropped, nowadays they have the phrase, it breaks the internet or whatever. But like back then, dude, everyone and their dog had seen this trailer. Everyone was talking about the Dark Knight. Everyone wanted to see what Joker was going to look like. How bad 
Heath Ledger was going to ruin it because he's just the total wrong yeah. casting choice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was a thing, too. But by the time it was actually done and coming out, there was so much hype and so many rumors about the amazing things that he did. And then because of all the I Believe in Harvey Dent and we're seeing Aaron Eckhart in the trailers, everyone wants to see what Two-Face looks like. That, there was so much secrecy about that. No one knew what Two-Face looked like going into it. We get that little shot of like him on the floor with the gasoline, but they never showed it. I watched these trailers religiously and so many times that to this day, when I watch the movies, there's certain Joker lines, like when he is in the interrogation room and he's like, evening commissioner, and like certain things that he says are like, you've changed things forever. Um, there's another one, but he, uh, they use different takes. They use different. The other one, it's the, let's get nuts. Come on. <laughs> they use different takes in the trailers than in the final cut of the film. And so to this day, when I watch the movie, they'll say a line and it never quite sounds right to me <laughs> because I watched, the trailer four times I watched those trailers so fucking many times before it came out, man. Like, I mean, the hype was real. I do remember all the mystique regarding Joker stuff and anything that they would release would be more about the lips or like blurry pictures of him or the why so serious stuff or something. Yeah, why and so serious was huge. Yeah, like really just trying to guard his, you know, that one poster where he's looks to be like drawing the lips on the window and he's behind the window and all you really get is like kind of this green mop top and then this purple-ish silhouette or something, you know, how... I have that framed and he draws in blood why so serious yeah exactly and just how guarded his final image would be yeah there was that reveal because i think they used the line from the beginning the what doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger but uh -huh. then but then they reveal him when they're standing in the street he's coming at him with the bat pod you know there's that shot from behind Ledger where he like half turns. I'm pretty sure yeah. they use that shot as his like reveal in the teaser. And like, God damn, it was just so fucking exciting. Like such a great time to be a fan. You know, I mean, I, I was, like I said, starting to get way back into this shit after uh, Begins. But like seeing those trailers, I mean, I was just in love again. It was like consuming. It was so exciting. The hype was real. I don't remember any feelings. I'm not. I'm not even joking. Like I can't even remember, which must mean that I didn't have much of a reaction to the trailers at least. And, I, and I'll say again, I love this movie. It's fantastic. But like, I don't remember being like, oh, I can't wait. It's gonna be so good. I just I can't remember any of that stuff that you're talking about. I, I just like your opening phrase. I don't remember much feelings. <laughs> I mean, there's no. I don't remember a time when I did feel. <laughs> I know there must have been a time. Uh, but no, like compared recall. to Batman Begins, where like I have a very vivid memory of not knowing anything about it, and then going to the theater and seeing it, not even realizing it existed. And yeah. then this movie, which was like they were trying as hard as possible to let everyone know it existed, and I just I have no memory to, to lead up to that. There's no the way exact opposite to me. There's no way that that you weren't aware of it because I one it was ubiquitous, but two. Uh, you and I had been in a band at that point. I mean, this was like right after DFS sort of went on break. And so we would have been, I mean, we would have been talking like around that you time. Tell me what 
what I felt. For you sure. What I felt. No, man, no, I'm ben just was, saying, like, Ben was so busy. It would have come up. And all that stuff. Yeah. It would have come uh, up somehow. I'm just saying, like, Ben was balls deep in the hardcore rock music. Well, and like, I don't, I'm definitely not one of those people who thought that, like, Heath Ledger was going to be a bad choice. I wasn't like, oh, this is going to be stupid. I didn't have any negative feelings either. I didn't even know who the fuck that was. So. Who had those feelings? No, I mean, Heath Ledger. Like, I hadn't seen Brokeback. You know, I I saw fucking. um, 10 Things I Hate About You. you. Yeah, when it came. When it came out, which was so much (laughs) earlier that I was like, oh, yeah, I sort of maybe kind of remember that. I, I don't know who that guy is, you know? So, like, I had. No judgments like I did with Pattinson or anything. And part of the reason on the last episode I said that I like this movie so much and both sequels, just rewatching them, is because it just starts with no bullshit. You know, it's just shit happening right out the gate. You know, it's got that great ability that a sequel has where we've given you a lot of the backstory. We gave you the cliffhanger even. And so we're just going to dump you right into the action. And so... I mean, from the the opening shots, it's just you got the exciting music. It's got the total Michael Mann heat vibes, and we're right into the heist, you know. But in that heist, that's the first, like, taste of the corniness. And again, that corniness, I think, ends up working in the movie's favor later. But I'll get to that later. But all of the thugs and the henchmen in the heist all have really, to me, obvious and bad ADR. It's like some guy's doing a New York accent over the top. Hey, man, whoever planned this heist, and it's definitely not the actor wearing the mask. It's not any of those actors. And it's just so jarring to me. It's not quite this bad, but it it reminds me of, like, when I think a movie thinks the audience is dumb, so they have to add a bunch of voices over the top later to, like, tell you everything that's happening in case you're too dumb to realize it. (laughs) Uh, all right, a couple I think things the beginning though. Rolls out like a Ocean's Eleven movie. I I really like it. I love that level of planning in anything. And when you get to watch some like best laid plan stuff just roll out exactly as intended, I I love seeing the fruition of something that somebody puts so much thought into, and then it just rolls out like, especially if it's beat for beat later on with joker's whole intentional kidnapping thing is like an even better version of that but i love seeing stuff just play out exactly as somebody intended to like man you thought this through every step of the way no visually it's awesome to just that overdub dialogue is fucking corny you're like hey you wise guys <laughs> i don't i would prefer like muffled like i can't even hear it to what is there well, that's what I was going to say, is that they're wearing plastic masks over their fucking faces. Of course it's ADR. But it's also the acting, man. Oh, who is this Joker guy? What's he going to do? Oh, I heard the butt like that. Just It's bad compared to the rest of the acting in the movie. Because it was probably done by lower paid actors in a little booth I've, far away. I've literally <laughs> never had an issue with it it never crossed my mind at all like I, in fact it keeps me up at night <laughs> I, <laughs> the only thing i've ever thought about that stuff is like i have the script from this movie and you know it's interesting when you read it kind of like i said about the trailers how slightly different the final dialogue is throughout the movie so i mean I, i've thought about it in those terms but I've, I've never had an issue with the actual delivery of it i actually think that those lines in the beginning are quite smart I mean, in the first 60 seconds, we have basically showing, first of all, not only the Joker's character as they continue to kill each other off, you know? One less. I already wears makeup. 
One, no, but the like one less share and all that stuff, you know. But when they're on the roof and they're cutting the uh, alarm, he's like, "That's weird. It dialed to a private number. Should have dialed nine one one." He's like, "Is there a problem?" You know, and you might not think much of it at the time, but again, he's setting up that this is the mob bank. You know, it's going out to private security. It's not going out to the cops. They don't want the cops there. And so, I mean, every little part of this script is, like Evan said, really tight. We're watching, you know, kind of the best laid plans come together. So I, I really think it's great. We're getting little tiny bits of this puzzle. I don't have a puzzle. problem with the script. I like the script. I don't like the delivery of all those lines. <laughs> Partially because I think they were not directed as well and they were done at a later date. But I don't have a problem with any of that because I do like that. It sets the stage well. It's a little much, but it's still all right. But it's just the delivery I don't like. It distracts me. Well, I don't like you. I find you distracting. <laughs> Do you guys think that despite the fact that Joker has to take cover behind the desk because the guy has the gun, but do you think that Joker's plan also included whoever that head banker guy is and his shotgun? Do you think that that was part of his plan? Because he tags the one dude, you know, they take fire. Do you think that that was included in his plan? I don't think he cares. I don't know. I mean, it Most seems like other just... things seem to roll out exactly how he wants them to. Yeah, I mean, he could have very well considered that there was someone in there who had been paid off who would fight back, but, you know, mm -hmm. he had well, enough the, expendable people. Well, and the Joker in general, but especially in this movie, is like a genius like Batman. So yeah. the idea that he can respond and improvise to these situations, I don't think so much he planned for it, it's just he's capable of reacting to You that, didn't that laugh... Thing. At the where did you learn to count line, you didn't laugh at that. No, it's funny. And, and a lot of these criticisms, this is another movie like some of these that for me has a disadvantage of I've seen it so many times. Yeah. Where like if we were doing this review after the first time I watched this movie, it would just be like, oh man, did you see that movie? <laughs> but I've seen it a lot, so I'm looking at it a little more critically. Uh, but Sammy. William Fitchner is the bank manager. I just want to give him a shout out because he's an excellent actor and he just has a tiny little part in this movie. Yeah, and he's great because he's not ADR. He was there that day. Well, in his line uh, where he said, uh, "Like, do you have any idea who you're stealing from? You and your friends are dead." That's almost verbatim from I think it's the beginning of Dark Victory. It might have might have been in Long Halloween, but I just thought that was for how much it draws on the source material. There's occasional just little lines. They're not even used in the same way, but it's just like, oh hey, like that on the page. That's in the movie we just watched. It must be Long Halloween because that's. There is the money piles in that one, but there's nothing like that in Dark Victory. Sam, you just made me think of a thing, though. You know, did you laugh at the uh, weren't you counting line? But the whole people shooting revolvers and stuff gives us the impression that we could actually count how many rounds a gun has, when in reality, only a revolver has a consistent amount of rounds. Yeah. Like, there's no telling how many rounds are in any given handgun or in any given clip or if the clip is extended or how many rounds a shotgun has or if it has a plug or anything so nobody could actually count that the joker can he's a yeah he's that smart. <laughs> and if he's not that smart he's improvising so he knows. well yeah but he had a i don't know he had a shotgun so i thought i mean i don't you know about things i don't know about things they can have many rounds, that's the point. No, there's no way to tell how Now, my only issue with the first scene in the movie, even as dark as the green grown-out hair is, they keep natural brown head ledger 
in the whole scene until he takes off the mask. That kind of pisses me off because you don't notice it when you're first watching it because they're just random goons, right? And that's the whole point. That's the reveal. But like when you watch it a second time and he's the one standing on the corner in the beginning and they pick him up and they show him from behind, it's like, well, he has his brown hair. And then now that you've noticed that, you're watching the rest of the scene. It's like, he has brown hair the whole time. And then you get the close-up when he pulls off the mask and it's green. So like... Is it- is it green everywhere? Like they just literally changed his hair color? Yeah, like they just, just on like the roots. They just didn't do his hair and makeup at all while he's in the mask. Uh, and then when he takes it off, he's in full hair and makeup. But he had natural Heath Ledger hair prior to that, and I don't like that. Toilet. I think that's kind of neat. That's where I don't like you, because you. No. <laughs> no, I, um, I like how personally we like always really take it. If you, because like if you're like a real Batman person, you'd probably watch it and be like, as soon as you saw the green hair, that scene would be ruined for you. Even though it's inconsistent, I think it's worth the trade off of not knowing it's the Joker until that reveal. I remember when I first saw this, I was genuinely surprised by how that whole thing played out. Like clutching your pearls, um, like (laughs) yeah, I just honestly had no idea that even one of those guys would have even been the joker i just thought that maybe these are dudes working for the joker not that he was actually in on the whole thing and then by the time they drive out the building and then the bus just hops in line with the other buses i was like that is so fucking smart this is the coolest thing i've ever seen have well, you... i was watching this with my dad like i said and he fell asleep he might have already been asleep at that point <laughs> i don't know it's four minutes in before yeah for yeah and there's like shooting and explosions the whole time. I don't understand it. It's not enough. Movie, it's but, not enough action for your dad. Well, but I think that's like you're with any movie, but especially this movie, your willingness to engage and suspend your disbelief and just like believe that these characters, particularly Batman and the Joker, can do these crazy things they do. Because the first thing he said when that bus pulled away was like, nobody noticed that. Nobody around there was like, oh, that one bus just pulled in there. Right under the bank. <laughs> right now. And it's, it's like, it's totally right. But it's because I think he is unwilling to just get into the movie and let it go. And I guess sometimes those plot things are so big that people just can't do it. But I think this movie is so well done and the characters are so engaging that for me, it's really easy to just let go and believe it. I think that's true. But at the same time, with almost anything in life, everything happens so quickly that if you didn't directly witness it, then it's gone already. You either missed it because you were looking at it two seconds before or two seconds afterwards. So anybody who wasn't right there when the bus drove out of the building from picking all those children up at the bank, uh, <laughs> you wouldn't have even seen only the bus driver you know, before and behind it would have been like, what the shit? I mean, it is really convenient that there was one bus length available between that other bus and in that bus. this huge metropolitan city, nobody yeah. saw the bus slam into the building. Nobody said like, yeah. wait, stop that convoy of buses. I just saw that one bus here. Yep. And, and again, I never yeah. thought about that kind of any of the other times I saw it because I just was willing to be in this world and along for the ride of it. Yeah. I do want to ask, have you guys both seen the movie Heat? Yes. No. Once a long time ago. Okay. Because this also came out at a time when I was really uh, kind of first exposed to a lot of gangster movies and stuff. And so I was really, really into Pacino and De Niro at the time. And Heat was one of my favorites that I, I watched a lot. And the way that this movie tipped its hat to that was just insane. But again, 
they're taking this huge climax of that movie and making it a short little set piece to kick off this movie. And so oh. where, where so much of that one was the getaway and all, all the complications that happen, that wasn't the point of this scene at all. And in terms of setting up the story, we don't need to see the getaway, really. So they just give you that quick overhead shot, and that's it. Yeah, it just it, it sets the tone of this movie right away, of like, you get an idea of what you're in for for the rest of it. Exactly. In a good way. They also set up the humor really quickly, because right after that, there's a short scene of Gordon at the bat signal with Ramirez. Again, another good setup where she mentions that her mom's in the hospital. It's a minor character saying something as an aside. So again, first time you're not putting any value on that line. But again, in rewatched, it's like everything uh-huh. is set up. Everything's tied in. But as she's walking upstairs to meet Gordon, <laughs> she goes through the bullpen and she's like, Mayor says you're closing in on the Batman. Dude wads <laughs> up the paper and banks it off the wall to the trash can. And he's like... The investigation is ongoing, and it shows <laughs> a- Abe Lincoln, Elvis, and the Sasquatch. Like, yeah, that shit's so good. That's the scene with Gordon in the bat signal, right? Yeah, well, she's on her way uh, up to him, yeah. I was thinking that was funny for the first time. They're talking about it, and Gordon says something about, even if he's busy, I just want to remind people that he's out there. Yeah. And but then I was thinking that the signal that you're using is the same signal that you use to call Batman. What? What? And so you're like, I'm just going to go up there for my Monday afternoon reminder that Batman exists in the city. But then what if it turns out that Batman wasn't busy? And then it shows up and, and he's, oh, my bad, man. I just assumed that you had, like, no, man. I just suited up and came all the way out here. He was busy. He's like, Gordon, what is it? I was just chasing a murder victim, but this must be really important, right? Yeah, I assumed it was a big deal. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a big deal. He needed to tell him about the heist. But it sounds like he does that regularly. Batman can't, just can't always be busy. A phone. It's an unspoken thing. James, come on. (laughs) No, he doesn't have a red phone, okay? This is an unspoken thing that he's like, look, I'm going to put this up there if I need to touch base with you, but if you can't come, it just reminds motherfuckers like, oh, shit, he's going to be coming soon. I'm out of here. I'm going home. It's the same as the bus to me. It's just so much of the stuff in this movie, plot-wise or little element-wise, doesn't work. It doesn't make sense, but it doesn't matter because it's executed so well. It's like a theme park ride or something where you're like pointing out like, Oh, I wasn't really gonna die when we went over that edge. Or you have to let go and just be on board. I'm fully on board. I think that I think this movie is great, but, but all of a sudden I was just thinking about things and I was like, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me, James. <laughs> then we get this awesome again, just action, action, action. The scarecrow scene. We get you know the the Batmobile rush in on intimidate mode, like the Dark Knight Returns. And the whole "I'm not wearing hockey pads" shit. It's interesting. The first time we see the fighting in the new suit. Well, no, he's still in the old suit. Or oh, this is—I feel like this is the first time we've ever seen in these movies Batman fight in a like a shot where we get to see him do it. Yeah, yeah. He starts by bending the fucking dude's rifle. Uh, yeah. And also the crazy thing too—I don't know how you watch this, but with my eyeballs, I watched this. <laughs> I had Evan draw every scene for me as he watched it, and then he showed me the. Oh, okay. I okay. That was kind of why his dad was so bored. <laughs> <laughs> They're just storyboards. But uh, I watched it on HBO Max, so it was just coming through my TV speakers. 
But for years and years and years, I watched it on DVD through my big stereo speakers. And the effects in this movie are so fucking loud. Like every punch is like a grenade going off in <laughs> Apocalypse Now. Or, you know, it's just boom, boom. You know, it's fucking crazy. Like when you're in the theater or when you're watching it cranked up. But like if I'm trying to watch it and Angie's asleep in the next room, I got to turn it down so low I can't hear the fucking dialogue. You know, like well, the di- this movie does have a bad balance because in, in trying to keep my dad awake, but not anger my neighbors, I would be like, <laughs> turn it up really, really loud for any time they talked. And then knowing that an explosion or a punch was about to happen, turn it down really, really low. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just unbalanced. And I don't know if it's because it's like Christopher Nolan thing where it's like, this is designed for you to be in a place to watch movies. Well, it's made for IMAX. And, I mean, yeah. this movie is made for IMAX. It was one of the first ones that was actually shot in a lot of the action pieces shot on IMAX film for that purpose. And so it's supposed to be a big over-the-top movie, but like that's the first scene where we start to really get a taste of that shit, where he's kicking goons' asses. You know, we see the fear toxin used, but without the point-of-view perspective for pretty much the first time. So we kind of see, like, all right, Scarecrow's minor. You know, he's already tied up in the beginning. You know, not my diagnosis and just brush him to the side, but it's still cool to have him as a little bit of continuity, you know? Yeah, it carries over to the next thing. Him timing his jump down the spiraling portion of the parking garage is a very Batman maneuver. And Dude, I like that a lot. And it's funny because, like, that's one of the things Ben's talking about that, like, is totally nonsense, but is yeah, so you're fucking cool. So good. Well, not so much that. Like, that could totally happen. But the fact that the van would just, like, perfectly roll to a stop, that, oh, that's... Yeah. I mean, even if... But what if at any point along the way, the guy's like, oh, piece of candy, and, you know, breaks <laughs> even for two seconds. Wait, let me, I, I'm going to go up the other exit. I'm going to yeah, turn yeah. around and go back. <laughs> oh, shoot. I mean, I just thought that shot was awesome. It was obviously... That was a shot for the fucking trailer. You know, it's just... Super, super Batman. Super cool. But, yeah, again, like... That should have, like, careened off the fucking path and crashed into the wall or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> we introduce Alfred by stitching up Bruce's injuries from, uh, you know, it, it was a big dog, you know. <laughs> but the, that, that whole shit where he's like, uh, he's like, I learned from my mistakes, okay, you know. And he's like, you ought to be pretty knowledgeable by now. <laughs> oh, <so sick> burn, <laughs> Alfred. I love it, man. Michael Caine is just on fire in this movie. And that felt like the nod to Alex Ross, the iconic shot of Batman's back all scarred and fucked up of him putting on his shirt there because you just see him. He's totally fucked up. Dude, I have to actually mention this because Three Jokers came out this week. I don't know if you guys are familiar or interested in this at all. I read at the end of another story where he was like, there's three Jokers and it was like a tag for this story, but I never read the story. Yeah, it's been years in the making, but okay, for as much as we've talked about Earth One, that's written by Jeff Johns. Yes. Okay, so Jeff Johns wrote this three-part Black Label series called Three Jokers. Yes. Part one just came out. Artwork with uh, Jason Fabok and Brad Anderson. I think Brad Anderson did the colors in Earth One as well. But cool. it's fucking stunningly beautiful. Some of the best art I've ever seen. And in the beginning of it, it opens with Bruce, like, crashing the Batmobile, trying to get inside the house all bloody and fucked up, and Alfred stitching him up. And there's this amazing thing that they do that is sort of a nod to that Alex Ross thing where they 
show his scarred up back, right? But then they do a close-up panel of a scar and a flashback panel beside it to show Penguin stabbing him there. And then another scar close-up and then another flashback close-up panel of Catwoman slashing across his chest. And they go through all of these different scars and show how they were done. They show Bane breaking his back again. They do all these amazing fucking retellings in just one yeah, frame. Cool. Oh my God. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. It, it's just so Batman, you know? Three Jokers available now. By the time this airs, the second one will probably be out. This is Joker. One Joker. First Joker. It's very mysterious. You don't exactly know what the fuck's going on yet. I like that though. I meant to say in the last one, as just a triple arcing pro to all of this is that I really like Michael Caine in this stuff a lot. Yeah. And this is probably my third favorite role of his. The first being... Austin Powers' um, dad? A Muppet, yeah, a Muppet, yeah, Muppet Christmas Carol being number one. Second one being Austin Powers. And the third one being this Batman trilogy. Wow, that, that hierarchy is very unique to you. It describes you as a person so well. Though. It does. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just introduce yourself that way if you want. Hi, <laughs> I'm Evan, and Michael King's three best movies are Muppet Christmas Carol, Austin Powers, and the Batman trilogy. I understand you so well. Yeah, I yeah, really think is, he's this right. This is my personal <laughs> trifecta projected through some other person's personal roles. That is a very revealing opinion, man. One of the things this movie does well is... If you're familiar with the source material, they give it to you. Hard. But. They give it to you hard. Yeah, they really just thrust it in. Hard. Dry. Non-stop pounding experience. <laughs> just, just pummeling. And... But yeah, I mean, like, the long Halloween has penetrated this whole story. <laughs> but. I felt warmed up. <laughs> but they give you a big fake out. And so we have Maroney's trial, and Dent is there, and we've seen a little clip of this from the trailer, and we're like, oh, shit, they're going to actually do it, you know? Because last time we saw Harvey Dent, or, or first time we saw Harvey Dent was Billy D. Williams, and Billy D. never got turned, you know? And so it's like, now we're seeing it. We're doing all this I believe in Harvey Dent. Holy shit, they're doing the Maroney trial. This is actually going to happen. He's going to get the acid splash. And so... Permission to treat the witness as hostile? I'll show you hostile. Reach into the jacket. And everyone in the theater is collectively like, <gasps> and pulls a gun, and the gun is jammed. And it was just such a fucking great, like, nope, we're going to make you wait. I loved it. I fucking yeah. loved it. As you were describing that, though, for whatever reason, all I can picture in my head is Christian Bale in full Batman outfit. Like, getting, re getting ready to jump over like, like the benches. Like Val Kilmer? Like, oh, oh, wait. Oh, never mind. <laughs> okay, we're good. Oh, it's just a gun. I, I thought the same thing. <laughs> yeah, man, I fucking love that scene. Because again, like right around this time, I had just read Long Halloween and was like, oh my God, this is what they're basing it off of? Like, fuck yeah. I'm just on the edge of my seat when that shit happens in... To this day, every time I watch it, I find it satisfying the way that they give you that suspense that is uh, so easily diffused. It makes him look like a badass, too. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's easy to, to think that Law is 
boring and the practice of law must be boring and the courtroom isn't like a particularly exciting place or something. But this is a movie and it's a superhero story. But that just makes him look like he's not just a dude tackling some stuff. He's down to be active. This dude could defend himself. He's a man of action. Uh, Disassemble a gun in an instant. Yeah, exactly. He's willing to take risks. He's not afraid of danger. It makes him, yeah, just makes him look like a badass. Well, which is very Harvey Dent, but it also sets up what he's capable of if he were to turn. Yeah. Yeah. They do a good job throughout this whole movie with instances like that of it's not just like something bad happened to him and now all of a sudden he's the fucking toughest guy in the world and he can take on anyone. Yeah. Yeah. He already had that there. He just wasn't a bad person. Or yes. completely a bad person yet. Took a series of shitty events to really get it out of him. One bad day. Like, yeah, it's like a, this movie is the long Halloween and the killing joke and a bunch of other things all kind of rolled into one without mm-hmm. being boring for someone who's read all those things. Well, yeah, that's the mm-hmm. thing. is it's, it's very true to those, but it's telling its own story. Dent then has this great exchange with Gordon uh, when <laughs> we first see them meet, right? And they're kind of giving each other shit, and they're not trusting each other fully. And, you know, you have that great joke of the, like, so you want me to give you warrants for all five of these banks and you're not going to tell me anything about what's going on. He's like, I can give you the names of the banks, you know, and and just like, that's all they'll do. But he says, I don't like that. You've got your own special unit and that it's full of cops. I investigated at eternal affairs. And so again, that is setting up the exact thing that does him in, in the end is that he does trust Gordon enough to compromise his own instincts and that's what betrays him. Hmm. I love Oldman's delivery in that scene. And I love that there's no chair for him to sit on in <laughs> Dent's office. It is not, it's not inviting at all. I didn't even notice that. That's funny. Yeah, his office looks like a person who's just steeped in cases. Yeah. You know, like if you... Just work everywhere. Exactly. If somebody else who was a really established lawyer had their own firm or whatever it was instead it would be a cleaner office and it would certainly look like they were doing work but then there would be placards on the wall and and degrees and things like that but his is just full of file boxes like he is actively nuts deep in two dozen cases or something like that (laughs) Um, and and it's really made for him there's it's there's no room for visitors so yeah if if you watch the scene then gordon goes in there and he's kind of like awkwardly standing and like looking for a place that he should sit. I can't remember if he ends up pulling a box or, a, or something, but he ends up sitting on something that's not intended to sit on. That's funny. I'll look for that. So then we get Joker's big dialogue entrance, and this is just Ledger chewing the scenery. And, I mean, I just get so excited to this day watching that scene where... Lau is on a video conference with all the mob bosses, you know, and he comes in, he does the pencil trick or whatever, and it's the just... The whole audience in the theater was like, oh! Dude, that yeah. is so cool. That whole scene is just legendary, you know? I think as the movie progresses, there's so many crazier things that happen, but in terms of just introducing your character that you've only given a little taste of, mm-hmm. oh my God, I mean... <laughs> it's like they're just scooping up big helpings. Like, here you go. Oh, you want some more Joker? Oh, here's some Joker. You're going to get love, some Joker. 
I love too that they're not meeting in some shadowy warehouse, and so your first full blown visual introduction to Joker is partially shadowed, and they don't draw it out even more. You know, they're meeting in like the back of a restaurant or something like that. Yeah. Yep. But it's it's like full on halogen lights, and you can see every portion of it. It's just boom. There's this dude, and I love thinking that really attempting to embrace the reality of those of what they're trying to show us obviously in a room full of actors it wouldn't be hard for you to act confident because why wouldn't you be confident you're not in any kind of danger but to imagine the kind of nuts that it would take or the kind of mental state i guess that it would take to, to, to walk into <laughs> tell me about room. these nuts please describe yeah, these to, nuts what did your balls drop off <laughs> yeah yeah okay i hate that line yeah, not nuts, confidence that it would take to walk in to that room of dudes and not only just not be sketched out, but actually to, to call the shots every step of the way. Yeah, they're not used to being spoken yeah. to like that. No one steps yeah. to them like that. Exactly. And the fact that he just pulls up, sits down, and, and just like, Oh, you ought to know you bought it, you know, and just like yeah. rubbing uh, it in their fucking faces and like, sure. what are you going to do about it? I have all your money. And the way that he pretends to forget Gamble's name, you know, mm-hmm. the little what uh, Gamble's grandmother won't be able to get it, you know, whatever. And just like uh, th- just the whole like way he plays that scene is so fucking brilliant and not just because he's fucking dead. I'm saying like it just is an exciting scene to watch. It's and super cool. There's no question why he gets an Oscar for playing a comic book character when you see shit like this. I mean, when they're like, see, a guy like me, and they're like, a freak. And the way he kind of like no, has a no. little twitch, a tick, and he's like, I'm, I'm not. It's just so deep. Again, like you said, the brilliance, but also the balls, but also uh-huh. the crazy. You know, it's just got like, uh-huh. it's, it's a real character. And it's a funny place, too, because what's the real line and what's the difference between confidence and not having anything to lose? Because they look a lot like the same thing. Yeah. Regardless, he's not nervous, but it's one of the two, or maybe they're the same thing. I don't know. And the pencil thing to me is just so dope. The first time you see it, oh, every time you see it, it's just fucking awesome. But also just the symbolism of it anyways, you know, dudes like you, huge bodyguard guy, go get that guy. Yep. Shit, biscuits, he killed him with a pencil. Nobody else messed with him after this. You and know, like, he's unarmed. Yeah, he instantly, well, aside from the, all those grenades. Well, well yeah, yeah, but you don't but know he, that. He gives, he gives them all a moment to pause he, to yeah. reassess what they're about to do. Yeah, he walks yeah, like, into ah, that right. room and takes down the bodyguard of, of the top mob boss with yeah. two hands and a pencil, right? Yeah. Okay. So like we've talked about <laughs> before, I don't like Joker being like a big buff fighting guy who could take on Batman. That's and we've, the only Joker I like. And we've seen that he, <laughs> shut up. We've seen that he can't do that or that's not his forte, but we do see that he's fucking dangerous. And I like that. Fast. Yes. He's wicked. He's wild. wicked with a number two lead pencil. <laughs> Don't fuck with that guy. I also love the way that he speaks to Lau at the end too, to the point where he just has to shut his television off. Like, like the way he outs him in front of all the guys. I know who's a squealer and that guy. Yeah. You could do what the television says, or he, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he refers to him as the television. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he doesn't know his name. But this is another one of the scenes in. 
to me, it's a gradual progression for like the first third of the movie where, again, there's that kind of corniness. It especially What are you talking about? And it's it's not the scene, but it's like it's those characters. There's like the Russian mob guy and his Russian mob accent. Just all that. It's a little corny to me. So Russian mobsters should have American accents then. Is that what you're saying? No, it's like it's the quality of the accent. He should sound like he's from uh, Detroit. Have you ever played Grand Theft Auto 4? That's probably one of the best Eastern European accents ever. (laughs) So that's what it should have been. It should have been. Probably, probably hire some actual Russians to play yeah, Russians. Like, oh, my cousin, the Joker, he's here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they should have got Allison Bree to play Zoya the Destroyer. Yeah, that would have done it. No, all I mean to say is... No, you don't get to say. I get to say whatever I want. This is my part. It's corny. Now. It's all corny. It's fucking corny. Uh, but it stands in such contrast to him, to Heath Ledger. For me, that's where that corniness that I keep talking about, it's all... I don't know if it's intentional or I don't know if maybe in your mind I'm just making this up, but it seems like it exists to reinforce the tone of this movie where it's like Batman and Batman's the hero and he's taking down the mob and he's doing this. And Heath Ledger as the Joker is just this constant kind of like, you know, you think things are getting better. You, you think you're making a difference, but everything is only going to get worse and it's just going to get worse and worse. And you don't know me. You don't understand. Me. It's like life itself. <laughs> kind of. But so that's when I say the corniness stuff, it works to the advantage of the movie. And it could just be the strength of his performance. But it just emphasizes that character in relation to all these just mob guys doing mob stuff, trying to take down the Batman. And even all like the conflicts that Batman is having in this first part of the movie compared to where the movie goes, which we'll talk about later. Each scene with him peels away that corniness until we get to a point later where it's just like it's not that anymore. Mm. The other thing I like, too, is because you're seeing Joker full-blown for the first time, is all the things that Ledger added to the character as far as those tics and stuff are yeah, concerned. Yeah, the facial like, stuff. Why is he licking his lips all the time? And, and all these things that you would have never got any kind of impression of as the Joker just through reading comics. It's big old smile. He's got the makeup. He's a giggler. That's kind of it. You know, but what if his eye twitched all the time or what if he had like a, you know, funny tics or the lips or something like that? All these things that he added that I would have never thought before that just I don't know what it is. I don't know. even really know what it hints to. But all these things that I've never thought of that could be a part of that character's persona that all of a sudden are there. And that's one of the great things about the Joker in this movie is it's sort of like the killing joke in that whole I prefer it to be multiple choice. You know, there's no identification. There's nothing in his pockets but knives and lint. And repeatedly, do you know how I got these scars? You know, and he he makes up different versions of his past. And so you really don't know. And, you know, you've seen some people speculate that, like, he was uh, a war veteran who has, like, severe PTSD or, like, whatever. Like, you just don't know. No, he was Uh, just, like, a a guy with, like, social anxiety who... uh, <laughs> who, you know, went nuts and then he shot uh, Robert De Niro or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's not any of those things you're saying. Lauren just told me about that soldier PTSD theory the other day when we're on a bike ride. And I think that that is freaking awesome for like many, many, many reasons. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of valid points to it. His use of all kinds of different weaponry, he's got hand to hand skills. He's obviously got obviously yeah. got PTSD. Yeah, the strategy involved. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot that could be He's said a about that. Master of disguise. He <laughs> could work at a hospital, and you'd never know it. 
I thought you well, meant when he was undercover as like the cop in his dress blues, you know? No, where he's a lady nurse. Gotcha. No, he yeah. Knew, he knew to wipe the face paint off. He's like, I'm a smart <laughs> yeah. guy. If I wear this face paint, they'll know it's me. But if I just wipe it off, <laughs> <laughs> but even the the backstory lines, like if he just said it the one time, and he was like, you know how I got these scars, and he did the whole thing. Like it's it's awesome. But if he just did it the one time, it's a little corny. But the fact that it's just like made up or a lie or a different thing. <laughs> he's shaking his head. I'm not on board. I'm yeah, not on board. Yeah, for the he's audience. So upset at me. Yeah, he's freaking out. He's smashing. I'm not sucking this movie's dick. He's smashing <laughs> the bad cave right now. He's throwing his hands up. <laughs> but it's just, that's like, friendship that's, is on the that's line. That's borderline edge lord Joker stuff there a little bit. But the fact <gasps> that it's just holy shit. Up. That it's each time it's different and it's just like you guys, a weird farce. You guys playing bingo at home? We got. <laughs> You want to get nuts? nuts? We got Edward <laughs> <We got> Ed <laughs> Joker. But can we make a Batman bingo? <laughs> they didn't switch idea, names this time. Batman brand bingo. <laughs> What's my thing? Being angry at us. <laughs> Const- just, yeah. just disapproval in general. Yeah. Overall, your thing is uh, smart planning, good direction, focus, and anger. Oh, wow, thanks. You keep this thing on the rails, because if it wasn't for you, we would just be talking about anime. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you keep it on the subject, otherwise we would just be talking. So these black and white backwards books, um, let me tell you. <laughs> He's talking about manga, just in case anyone didn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> black and white backwards books. All right, so... I want to find something sometime that you may actually read. I don't know what that would be. There's a Batman manga from the 60s. I know, but it, no, Ben, it can't be Batman. Yeah, then I'd read it. So, then we have this you're, awesome... You are ridiculous. You are ridiculous human being. Oh, I'm sorry. I like what I like. That's not okay. That's all. There's, turns out there's other cool things, though. <laughs> That's hilarious because it's like me making fun of you movie-wise, you know? I'm like, oh, have you seen this great drama? And you're like, Pfft. Does it have crazy colors? Where's the neon? Yeah. Yes, I, I guess. <laughs> so, in that scene, the television, Lau, mentions that he took 68 million of their money to Hong Kong and put it in hiding. That way they couldn't leverage any one of them to get information and take down everybody, which is exactly what we do a few minutes later. Batman goes to Hong Kong to get him. Incredible scene. It's up there on the skyscraper. He's got those fucking little weird adhesive jelly timer bombs. And we get this just fantastic fucking Batman die hard in the skyscraper scene. Where he then extracts him by a moving plane, which we sort of see like... The Fulton recovery system. It's sort of like what we see in the beginning of Dark Knight Rises, you know, with some crazy, real shit going on in a plane. I don't know how much of that was faked, but my God, it really... In terms of, like, actual using a plane for the stunts versus CG? Yeah, because in the third one, they did that shit with the hanging plane and, Uh like, the IMAX cameras and all that shit. Because I remember before it came out, they did repeated featurettes like you'd go to see a movie and you'd get like the behind the scenes of making this fucking plane thing from the dark knight rises coming soon you know so yeah just watching this after that made me wonder like damn did they really do this shit too (laughs) like it's fucking crazy 
Well, I only know it from Metal Gear Solid, but that's or one of those Metal Gear games. But they call it that Fulton recovery thing where you have that idea. There's like a little mini parachute and a latch, and then a plane comes and picks you up. So I, unless video games lied to me, I think that's sort of a real thing. <laughs> that would never but, happen. Yeah. And I don't think that the whole building sonar was a real thing, but possibly other portions of it were. <laughs> like a submarine. Yeah, I know. Fuck you, Ben. That no, technology I, doesn't exist. I will say with the criticism, because I say like this Batman is not smart enough, but I forgot, I've made that criticism before, and I realized that I was wrong before also, and then I guess I forgot that I was wrong. Because he totally, to jump ahead, it's just small, he, he knows that stuff, he figures it out. Yeah, I mean, the more that you backpedal and agree with me, the happier I'll be. So take your time. Only on that one line of this corny, stupid movie. <laughs> yeah, you want to know what I think is corny. <laughs> yeah. I only watch movies about wars and uh, real history documentaries. Well, let me tell you, stuff. I also fucking don't like those Metallica guys either, okay? You know, <laughs> just start coming for everything you like. Alfred seems to be so bummed that he's left on the boat with, like, all the ballerinas and stuff. <coughs> oh, I love he, that shit. He seems so ticked off. I'm like, what's the big deal, dude? What are you talking about? He's kidding. He's like, you could tell the Russians to apply their own bloody suntan lotion, you know? <laughs> then, then he's like, literally, yeah. roll over. Come on. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, that makes I, sense. Might, I, I took it literally. It's a little creepy, actually. This has no interest to me. Like, I would rather... Stitch my millionaire <laughs> roommates back then. <laughs> hot Russian games. That's another scene that my dad woke up in. Yeah. He woke up when they're on the boat. Wow, that's the life I'd like to live. James Bond. <laughs> yeah, that's why I thought he'd like this movie because so much of this movie is a James Bond movie. And I'm like, oh, he's going to love this. And he just wasn't James guys, Bond enough. I don't know. Have you seen the In Light Flint movies before? No. I haven't. Oh, it's like... So your reference is lost on us, but Evan. Oh, that's the same. You should watch it. It's awesome. It's like James Bond. I think there's only three movies, but if it's almost like if James Bond was more like Austin Powers without being like a silly spoof comedy, like mm. he's that much of a sex pot, it's just like incredibly swanky. It's really cool. I like Archer. Yes, I love Archer. I love Frisky Dingo. What do you think about that? Oh, I almost forgot that in the middle of this whole... Uh, Lau leaving and Batman going to get him that we have this scene with Dent and Gordon on the roof with the bat signal and Batman shows up and it's very Tim Sale, you know, that whole scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like him disappearing and like, oh, he does that and like that, that's just straight from the books. For sure. We've also had at this point having a dinner with Bruce, the ballerina. It's, yeah. It's prior to that. Yeah, that's yeah. R that's right in there, too. Yeah, that's just a really nice scene because that's the first little hint you get of Bruce Wayne being like, oh, maybe I don't have to be Batman anymore. And the, mm -hmm. the only good version of that in any of these movies because it's not like, that lady's hot. This crime-fighting stuff is stupid. I don't want to do this anymore. It's like an actual, like, <laughs> someone else can do this job better than I can and I don't have to do it anymore. Although the love part is still mixed in there because later there's that whole, like, don't make me your one hope for a normal life. Yeah. But it, that relationship was built on and it's developed throughout these movies and like you, it's yeah. not just like new pretty lady. <laughs> yeah. I like that you brought that up though because... I like you. Just, <laughs> yeah, I like you in general. Thanks. Uh, more than Evan. And I just... <laughs> this week, one of my friends posted on uh, Facebook, she shared this link 
spitting some hot take on Batman. Like, you know, Batman really, you know, and it's just like some person who thought... Are you thought, in front of me calling this movie corny? No, no, is they were... Andrew? That is what you sound like. That's a pretty good Ben impression. Yeah, no, but it was just like, that's just how I read it, you know? It's just like so, like, yeah. snarky and just like... So pompous. Oh, well, the, what was their conclusion? What would Batman really do? It was a very current leftist systemic uh, issues kind of talking about a person with his wealth and resources and like but he's out there beating up poor people and blah 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 and if he was really trying to turn things around then he would look at you know and I'm like bitch name one Batman story that isn't about police corruption or that isn't about you know and one thing that I pointed out because a lot of his feedback seemed to be based on seeing these movies only was like the whole point of the Dark Knight is that, oh, I have inspired people. Now I have a real shot at making systemic lasting change with Harvey Dent and James Gordon who are going to actually fix their little corner of this system and I can retire and not do this shit. Because they were talking about him on some, like, Dirty Harry shit. Like, well, his only power, really, is that he can be worse than the police with no consequences. And I'm like, you fucking are missing the whole shit here because he doesn't want to be doing this. And he's finding channels that can actually address these issues long term. And that's why the Joker says, you don't think I'd risk a fight for Gotham's soul in a fist fight with you and he takes out Harvey. That's the key. He is the white knight in this story. Repeatedly over the head they beat you with this idea. So shut up. <laughs> yeah, well, and also just fundamentally, I mean, one of the whole benefits of having Batman be a millionaire and then now a billionaire is that he gets to be doing all those things. Like I'm sure he's donating to like a million charities and starting funds and he's working within the channels and all this stuff. But the idea is that the things he's trying to confront, the challenges he's trying to confront, won't be solved that way because they're so ingrained and they are so powerful that they can't just be fought that way. Yeah. It takes him using extrajudicial violence. And obviously that's, again, like I said before, where like every person loves superheroes because they can just paste whatever their thing is on them and go like, yeah, a guy who breaks the rules, but for the right reasons, the reasons I like. Yeah. But that is the fun of it. It's fantasy. And I just don't jive. That's a stupid thing to say. I don't. Go along with it. I don't shiv. <laughs> I don't shiv, man. I, don't um, I just don't. That that argument doesn't work because he does all that stuff too. That's why the character is great because he he does everything that you wish a billionaire did, and then more. He goes out and physically fights the poor people who actually are evil and terrible, in addition to the rich people who are evil and terrible. Yeah, I mean, I mean, except for Harvey Dent in this movie. My inclination was to say, oh, well, fucking read White Knight, okay? Like, that talks all about the negative side of the shit that he's done and what his war on crime really costs and what it actually fixes, right? But I thought, no, because the actually biggest, most ubiquitous thing that everyone knows is this movie, and it's all right there. It's just all there. Just think about it differently. Or just, you know, listen to the words. Vulcan mind mode with him. Are you familiar with the Vulcan mind mode from the (laughs) Star Trek series and films where you can just exchange your mind with someone else's temporarily? Or the uh, Dark Crystal where the Gufflings do the same thing. Yeah. Did you bring either of those? It's called like dream sharing or something. Or, Or you could just actually listen to the words the characters say and then you'll know what's happening. You gotta go with the mind meld, man. You gotta go. 
That's the only way. Uh, Sam, if there's any reason that I want you to watch anime or read manga is because every character with glasses does this, like, two-finger glass push-up. Yeah, and I really think that that would aid in your, like, depiction of these, like, pompous characters that you're well, creating. Like, absolutely. Uh, no, I actually. Think that... <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else can see it, but it, it really drives it home. So uh, I'm going to recommend a couple black and white backwards books to you with char- <laughs> characters with glasses so you can learn some stuff. Okay. Good to know. I don't know how much of this we really need to... I mean, it's there's a lot of script in this movie. It's a long movie. So I don't know how much shit we really need to go through. We already talked about the where I got these scars. So we have the whole Joker faked his death, delivered his body to gamble, and that crazy, like, we're going to have tryouts and makes the goons literally fight to the death... To then a broken bullstick. Yeah, yeah. To then join the gang, like fucking Jesus. Um, Yeah, that's gnarly. My notes kind of skip ahead to the semi in the tunnel scene. We we have a couple attempts on people's lives. People actually get killed. The judge. Yeah, yeah. We have one of the bat guys, like the bat vigilantes, is strung up. So five hundred and forty-nine. I don't know if it's people or or charges tried at once. Judge Cirillo has the Joker card fall out of her. uh, briefing there the court documents whatever it is and then they find out that there's dna on there of commissioner Loeb. i don't understand why his glass is smoking afterward but it's like slow acting acid takes a couple minutes i don't know what it's supposed to be but also like liquid nitrogen has like a fog so it it could be that maybe somehow it like froze his no it's nitrous oxide (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's just having the best time. He's not dead. He's fucking partying. Gordon, I need you to do <laughs> Callbacks, okay. It's, it's I think the, it's supposed to be acid. Callbacks. It's the biggest, Very extreme it's acid. the biggest whippet that anybody's ever taken. But he pours it out of <laughs> a bottle, it. and it looks the normal. Acid, acid, and it doesn't melt the glass. Not yeah. all acids eat all things. Well, That's not half, all half liquid <laughs> nitrogens freeze all things. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, that happens, and then the judge gets but blown it, up. That's um, another, like, nitpicky plot hole thing. Like, if they're going to put her in protective custody, they would have used a different vehicle or immediately checked her vehicle. They wouldn't be like, you got to go to a safe place, get in your car that's been sitting out here for the past three days, and go drive from an unknown in- <laughs> We got a message from an unknown informant. You need to get out of here right now. <laughs> well, they sort of do that with Barbara Gordon, though, at the end, where they have Ramirez call her and say i called away your protective detail they can't be trusted you know and so this idea that everything is so corrupt on so many levels that you kind of don't know what to trust i don't know i think that that is driven home enough that the way all that plays out is very believable yeah anything could seem legit and not be legit one thing that we absolutely have to talk about ledger's self-directed scenes with the handheld camera. Oh, my God. Just fucking terrifying, man. Like, that first one where he gives you the uh, ultimatum, you know, Brian or whoever, wearing hockey, hockey pad, pads, you know. Hockey pad, Batman. Yeah, first of all, that's a great fucking cut scare when they're in yeah. the mayor's office. But um, it's so also very... Also a callback to Dark Victory. All the people being hung as... Uh, hung. Oh yeah. Of intimidation. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yep, totally. Gotcha. And wow, then man, wow. he, uh, the future, I mean, because we haven't talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> but the book was written before, so oh, technically yeah, yeah. Man, I can't tell it. Easter it, egg. They're talking to the mayor, it's the mayor in that part, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that dude just if he wears 
like eyeliner where no. she has the thickest under eyelashes. <laughs> he, he was in Lost too, and he says people always ask him, and he's like, "That's just my eyes." Yeah, I googled it because I saw him in something else, and I thought. Damn, does Mayor Garcetti wear fucking eyeliner now? And then I like Googled so it. It's like, nope, he just looks that way. That's also how Sean Murphy draws all of his characters. They always have <laughs> the thickest, full, full around eyelashes. I mean, he just loves this movie. Yeah. But this scene was very Nicholson. You have the whole, like, if Batman takes off his mask, reveals himself, then the killing will stop, right? And that whole, like, I'm a man of my word, you know, like, if you don't do it, I'll start killing people right now, and he kills the guy. So then, if you think back to the original, when Jack wipes the screen, you know, he's like, I have taken off my makeup. Let's see if you can take off yours. And so I just like that because, obviously, we said before, there are some minor nods to Burton, even though trying to do a totally new thing. Uh-huh. But I, I just really like the similarity in that because it's sort of, again, the main catalyst for the big showdown of the movie. It's very, very similar, but it's done in a totally fresh way. I love that part for multiple reasons. That's the most fluctuating and inconsistent Joker looks in like a couple minutes in the entire movie. And voices. The oh, voices, my God. Look everything. at me. Yeah, exactly. It's like you're watching Silence of the Lambs for a minute or something. Totally. It's upsetting yeah that part at the end that's the scariest he sounds in the whole movie the fact that it cuts out with the dude screaming you don't see anything so you have no idea what he's doing to him but whatever it is it's terrible him slapping the dude and then shaking him and then being you know like all of that I just stuff. See yeah like he, he he seems like happy and he's like having fun in that part and it, the, that, oh that oh because the then why do you dress like him you know that yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all of that stuff. That that is. It shows us we don't have to be afraid of you. God. Oh, but afraid. you do, Brian. You really do. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. That's the best part. I didn't know I had a ledger impression, but I've been doing it this whole time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just gets me give, so excited. Give me some lip licking, please. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. One thing that's great about before Joker shows up in the penthouse fundraiser. There's this brilliant line with Dent and Alfred when he's like, oh, I've heard a lot about you, so you've known Rachel her whole life. Oh, not yet, sir. That's a, that's wow. That's moment my dad woke up, and he's like, that's a good line. Oh, yeah, yeah, classic. That's the best dad joke. Well, and it's funny because it plays off as just a dumb joke, but, like, boy, is it true. Yeah, yeah. And, again, like, that's not something you notice maybe the first couple times you watch it, but then, like, oh, God, that's a, that's a dark joke. That's sad. I just thought it was a funny dad joke. Yeah, it, it's supposed to be, but wow. He has known her her whole life. And then the other thing that's great is um, Bruce in plain clothes walking down the hall, you know, there's like, oh, he's got a safe room. And then, you know, like, oh, fucking rich guys. But uh, uh, that, that scene is hilarious. But someone comes up, <laughs> someone comes up to him them. with a shotgun, one of the Joker goons. He's like, hands up, pretty boy. And it's just like, bam, bam, gun in pieces as, as he's walking by. He doesn't even stop walking to take yeah. out this goon. Yeah, I love it. Assemble it with his eyes closed. Yeah. Again, the out-of-costume martial arts in all three of these films completely makes up for anything wrong with the in-costume stuff. Yeah. You believe that guy could do that stuff. So effortless. Christian Bale could do that. Oh, yeah. I also love that scene because 
just like Batman Begins, where he acts like he's intoxicated in that one party to kick the people out. I love him playing like a billionaire schlub yeah. when he's given the whole speech to like his other rich buddies. Just the thought of like, and a it's not an actor switching characters, but an actor switching like characteristics of an actor. Yeah, he on puts the on this arrogance. Yeah, he well, condescends and, to them. Yeah, exactly. Like his version of that, like high society person, and what that sounds like is cool. And also just the fact that it's not even him as Bruce Wayne. That's what he has to pull out to blend with these people. Mm. It's freaking cool. Well, and Rachel even addresses that too. Like they might not know you well enough to know when you're making fun of him, but like I yeah, do. And he's I like, do. none of this matters. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, don't listen. I to just me. want to quit this and be with you, Rachel. <laughs> I'm fucking Batman. This is all weird for me. Batman's <laughs> cool. I like him. He's a good guy. I want him to be the boss. Now, I, I, this has been years since I heard this, read this. I don't remember if it was a behind-the-scenes video or or what. But I remember Michael Caine saying that Michael Caine saying that he was. <laughs> Tangerine. Um, there's only two types of people in the world that I hate. Those that are intolerant of other people's cultures. And, and the, the Dutch. Dutch. Yes. But uh, I just remember hearing him say that it was his first scene with Ledger. It might have been his only scene with Ledger. I'm not sure. And that when he came off the elevator, he was actually so shocked that he forgot his lines. Huh. Michael Caine forgot his lines when faced with the Joker. For the last 80 years. Yeah, for the first time. <laughs> cool. And I just thought that was so great. You know, we've seen Bruce is already being proactive, knowing something's going to go down. But there's no suit up montage. There's none of this. There's just this really intense scene by a brilliant Maggie Gyllenhaal right up in his face. And then it's on. Again, sequel shit. No pretense. We've seen it happen, and now it's just yeah. bam right into it. I fucking love the, it. Yeah, uh, the moment when Rachel and Harvey are talking in the hallway, and then Bruce just like runs up behind him and chokes him out, goes <laughs> away. That's another one where my dad was awake for that. And he's like, "Oh, does she know he's Batman?" He's like, <laughs> yeah, because that scene would play differently if she didn't know he was. That's Batman. true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> runs up and chokes him. Yeah, I'm confused. I don't get it. Oh I man, think that part is funny because the bar on the door only keeps Harvey where he is but if Joker and the goons actually did take everything over and they were looking for Harvey the room with the bar on the door would be a pretty obvious place to start (laughs) (laughs) that's true that's true because from the outside it does nothing you just remove the bar and you open the door yeah no he put a bar on the other side too as he left he like oh "Oh, I got it I got it hey Harvey I'm trapping you here but also trap yourself for your side hey could you put Bruce is that you could you put the broom handle on your side too (laughs) I love not knowing the kind of nuances that may exist in script, either verbally or in action. And when you have the part where Ledger has Maggie and he's like holding her face in the knife, she like squirms initially before she settles and stuff. And it makes me wonder if, did he just grab her? Or was that her, like, I'm acting, I'm fighting this. And so he stays stays with her and struggles more to contain her and stuff. Like, how much of that is them and how much of that is called for? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just thought that that whole thing plays out great because she steps in the line of fire. You know, she acts like kind of the human shield in this case. And yet when confronted with him is so just like chilled to the bone. Uh-huh. But it shows such a strength in character that we saw in the first one, you know, when she stands up to Crane, you know, but this is just such a deeper portrayal of that. For sure. I didn't know he would be so stinky when he got close to me. <laughs> yeah, he must smell really bad. But he's he probably does. Have you seen those teeth? Oh. His, his hair isn't green because it's dyed. That's like algae. <laughs> <laughs> it's white guy and dreads. He's from a big city, so where does algae come from? That's terrifying to think about we have this great kind of killing joke monologue you know about his wife's disfigurement and all this shit and then the whole like very poor choice of words and once again fucking it's kind of like the the fall onto the van in the beginning just this crazy fucking batman shit no grappling hook just takes it in the back how the fuck are they not both dead after that shit i was glad my dad was asleep for that because i think if he was awake he'd be like "Mm, that doesn't make sense both be dead or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that joke was hilarious. That is not realistic. Thanks, Dad. Go back to sleep. Actually, one of my favorite jokes in the movie is just a dumb Harvey Dent line that comes right after this where he walks into uh, Major Crimes Holding and says, so where do you keep your trash? <laughs> Lau is just right there like, thanks. <laughs> But I just love that Loud doesn't know that Dent was necessarily there in his first interrogation, but he's like, I'm going to take you over to county. How long do you calculate you last in there? You know, like flipping the script on him because he's sort of making a joke on it, but he's also like, I was there before. I know how you talk. Well, I just know the way you try and intimidate people. Yeah, exactly. Because he was, Lau was trying to uh, act pretty cool, calm, collected in the first interrogation against Maggie, you know, or against Rachel, because, uh, you know, he's like, immunity and a chartered plane back to Hong Kong, you know, like, I'm very good with calculations, I'm blah, 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 you know, and so now he's fucking looking all disheveled and sad, and Dent's flipping the script on him, I just thought it was kind of funny. For sure. And at this point, is Gordon presumed dead? No. No, not yet. So the, the attack on the mayor hasn't happened yet. Okay. Not quite yet. This and movie's eight hours long. I forget. Yeah, it is. Well, yeah. so right before this, we this is twenty minutes. We're twenty minutes into the movie. Yeah, right before that happens, we get Michael Caine's monologue about the some men just want to watch the world burn, and then we have he quotes the Jungle Book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the Mowgli monologue, and then <laughs> I think of it as the Tangerine monologue but whatever we have our own well yeah you you yeah, did that the on the last episode <laughs> big as a gigantic banana <laughs> <laughs> what i saved your uh your tangerine line reading for the the very end of the batman begins episode so oh. people will have enjoyed that already <laughs> um. so yeah as we're building up to that with Loeb's funeral we get this awesome scene with Coleman Reese and Lucius Fox and again comes in so cocky with the whole like oh don't tell me you didn't recognize your baby pancaking cop cars you know and just like super condescending and Morgan Freeman does not panic he sits back and is like let me get this straight 
you think that your client, one of the richest, most powerful men in the world, spends his nights moonlighting as a vigilante who beats criminals with his bare or to a pulp with his bare hands, and you intend to blackmail this person? Like, yeah. fuck! Yeah, that's one of the best lines. Yeah, that's oh, that's that's, a, that's on my pros list. But that is such a good short scene. Like, oh my god, fucking Morgan Freeman that's a, that's is a, a really scene nicely stealer. woven in subplot. Yes, because how that ties in later with the, again another uh, holding the city hostage if they don't take him out. Like that could have just been a throwaway thing, and then we never see that guy again. Yeah. So to have that be just an awesome scene on its own, but then woven into the later act of the movie, just excellent. And honestly, I just always like a good secret identity threat in a Batman story. I think sometimes it's too easily revealed, like Vicky Vale or something like that. And so I like, you know, we've talked about before, like, well, fucking Frank Miller, Batman, you'd see him from across the street and go, oh, shit, is, is, that, is that that guy that kicked my ass last week in the alley, you know? Or you see him on TV and go, oh, it's shit. the most cellulite that I've ever seen before. Like, his shoulders are like full-on legs. They're just this wide, you know? Um, it's like Lumpy Space Princess from Adventure Time. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like anything that still touches on the world around him being suspicious. also love the not-team kind of a team action with Fox, too, or thinking just about, like, the background logistics Mm-hmm. covering Batman's tail all the time because that's that really is some daily basis behind the scenes kind of stuff but it is dope that Lucius has his back that much because we get to see that but will Bruce ever know about that is Lucius going to be like oh man I covered for you so hard you give me a raise today well, you know? we didn't see it but he must have told him because he gives him in that later scene Bruce when he sees him get out of the car after he saves him Bruce gives him like a little tip of the fedora to let him know that yeah. Top of the morning. Uh, I got your back. <laughs> I know you know who I am. I just read a, a recent issue of Detective Comics, and I know that they had, at some point recently, killed Alfred, and there was a big controversy over that. I didn't read it. It was in Tom King's run, and we see Lucius at the end in the sonar shit, and he's actually being put in more of like an Alfred role of like you are an active participant now in my shit. And in this comic I read the other day, it very much seemed like Lucius had become his Alfred or his Oracle or his, you know, his guy in a chair, as they say in Spider-Man, you know. Uh-huh. I thought that that was interesting. I'm not sure if that's actually his role right now, but from the one issue that I read, it seemed very much like that. In a lot of ways, he would be far better suited for the technical aspect than yeah. Alfred would. True. But if Alfred is generally like a housekeeper and kind of a bat cave helper, Lucius like medic. would. Yeah, exactly. Advisor. Lucius would be all the tech stuff and not so good at cleaning the house. I also thought <laughs> we have Morgan Freeman in your movie. You're going to want to utilize him as yeah. much as possible. Yeah. Even if your movie's cool. eight hours long and it's already not long enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, <when it> comes, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's skim ahead a little bit. We've got Loeb's funeral, undercover Joker takes a shot and uh, uh, Gordon takes the bullet. We get this great shot where uh, Dent captures one of the dudes but the dude's name tag says Rachel Dawes and he was like, oh shit, he wanted this guy to get caught. He's the next hint. That's um, also kind of one of the first places that Dent's rage starts to show, I think. Uh, he, yeah. he really starts to seem angry there. Yeah, and then we see um, that Barbara 
gets the off the opposite. Holy Christ! <laughs> Someone go to the ocean for a second. I wow. Like my shirt this time. I have good headphones. Okay. Or did you just open a bag of Funyuns and <laughs> crush them all into the microphone? <laughs> so yeah, after that we get that scene where Barbara gets the two officers at her door and gives her the bad news. And at this point, you're like, yeah, they're going to get a divorce. That's about the worst thing you could ever do to a spouse. It's like Ashton Kutcher. Uh, it's like some punked action. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got you, man. <laughs> Look right over there. Yeah, <laughs> that's a camera. That's a camera. <laughs> and then this fucking great scene where Again, Gordon is quote-unquote dead, and so all the rest of the cops in the bullpen are standing around the bat signal. And they're like, he's not going to come talk to us. And then we get this, God help whoever he does want to talk to. And maybe my favorite in the trilogy of him in costume beating motherfuckers up is on the catwalk in the club that Maroney's at. Got the fucking, like, techno and the lasers and all the shit in the background, and yet you can still hear those punches over the music. Like, That's good mixing right there. But he looks so fucking pissed off. That's just why I love it. That made me think of the Matrix movies for the first time. Maybe the collateral. Is that a good Tom one? Cruise. Is that a movie that you just made up? That you? No, it's another Michael Mann movie. Like, Jamie oh. Foxx, right? Yeah, and there's a scene where Tom Cruise is like the bad guy, vicious assassin, is crossing a dance floor, just beating the shit out of people, and yes. dancing at the same time. Seeing that catwalk <laughs> made me think of Zoolander. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me think of that one show that you and I played that turned out to be a rave in yeah, yes. like rural Oregon somewhere. That was weird. Uh, was, wasn't that actually an awesome show, though? Uh, sort of. It, we were on wireless mics on yep. two separate catwalks, and it was yep. like a high school rave, which was even weirder. And the catwalks were so full of people that you and I could not even see each other while we were performing the songs. It was so fucking surreal. I just remember leaving immediately afterward. I just think that it was dope because the scenario was weird and the people were actually having a good time and energetic despite having zero idea who we were. Yeah. <laughs> I'm visualizing it in my head and it sounds really cool. It was cool. Uh, I picture these catwalks are like 30 feet in the air. You're both high <laughs> It's more like 25. <laughs> more like 25. <laughs> and we're both dressed and like Batman. Sam via <laughs> but which, which we didn't use, but it was there. So then we get this coin flip interrogation with Thomas Schiff. This is, I think, before we've seen the whole, like, oh, yeah, you make your own luck. Got it. It's two-sided, you know. And so... Okay. But he's got a gun to this fucking dude's head. And Batman shows up and sees what he's doing. He's like, yo. This is not okay. My dude is losing it here. You know, like, you're supposed to be the sane one here. Let's, let's fucking take a breath, okay? Holy Get shit. ready to pass the baton to you. And you can't be doing stuff like this. Yeah. It makes me wonder what his middle name is because I picture Batman swooping in like a mother right there and seeing his full name. <laughs> Harvey fucking Dent. <laughs> Calm down. Stop um, it. This instant. What am I looking? All right. We have a press conference. I don't think that's super important. Oh, actually, speaking of the uh, you make your own luck when Harvey's getting arrested and he flips the coin to Rachel. Watching it streaming was funny because, you know, on a DVD about two-thirds of the way through, 
It'll have a half a second glitch for some reason. Every single DVD has that. We're just for a second. Uh, Evan's given me a look, but I've had multiple DVD players over the years, and they all in the exact same point will do this, right? I think that your eyes are operated at a superhuman level that you can actually perceive that in other people's not. Or are you watching all these DVDs on the same DVD player? Are you sure it's not your DVD player? Yeah, but I've replaced it over the years, so it's, yeah, it it happens in DVDs. I don't have Blu-rays. Maybe it doesn't happen anymore, but... um, It's a glitch in the Matrix. Anyway, um, when he flips the coin to Rachel and he goes, I make my own luck, that's where the tiny, tiny glitch always happens on the DVD. And since I was watching this on HBO, I was like, oh, weird, it didn't do the thing. (laughs) What about the time warp? Uh, Let's do the time warp again. So then, again, just insane fucking legendary action, some of the best action we've ever seen in a Batman movie. Joker's got the semi-truck blocking the road with the burned-up fire truck, got to send them underground and shit goes off the fucking rails. Part of my list in that section was the slaughter is the best medicine. Yeah. Instead of laughter is the best medicine. That's cool. And my only other note was Joker can drive a semi, which I thought was silly until Lauren told me about the soldier theory. And I was like, well, yeah, yeah he might know how to do that shit. So I what? guess that's cool. Wait, the thought of him driving a semi was like strange, but like firing rocket launchers and all this other shit he's doing. Well, I mean, I don't know how intricate it is to fire a rocket launcher, but I imagine Look, it's like... anyone what? can pull a trigger, but you've got to get a commercial driver's license, okay? Dude, are you kidding me? Like, totally different. A, like, dude, a semi is a stick times, like, four. Know, There's, like, legit 16 gears on a semi-truck. I understand that it's very complicated. I'm just saying he does a bunch of stuff before <laughs> this that's also complicated and impressive. Yeah, okay. I, that, this, that, that seems like, it seems like pretty niche and pretty fucking hard. And also, before that, <laughs> pause this movie. He just got in that semi and he drove it like it was nothing. Hold on. Well, it I, just takes me saying, out of the movie. It's, it's, a, it's a random. No, shut up. I'm just saying it's a very random <laughs> skill set. And I was like, wow, that's weird. I'm impressed. But then the whole the soldier thing makes that possible. Also, I forgot to mention right before that, the dude knocks on the like, semi oh, guy's man. door and Brutal. he's like. You wait like everybody else. And then it's fucking awesome how he just pulls out, pops a shotgun on him. But also, if you shot somebody in the head with a shotgun, it makes their head disappear. And it made me think about the stuff that I wasn't seeing right there. Yeah, they do a really good job of cutting away from the horrible shit that he's doing to people in this movie. Yeah. Like, no, one, no one wants to see that. If well, this movie was... Like my dad said of like, is this an R-rated movie? <laughs> it was is about to be. There's no sex, and they cut away from this, the violence. This so. movie was about to be, like, first RoboCop level violent, and <laughs> they made some very oh my God. strategic cuts. Cut. I want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I man, the first time I... Actually, I don't know that I really watched RoboCop until I was an adult, and when he gets shot up, I was like, this is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is a lot. Of, this is a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they don't make so them like they used to. Yes, man, that dude got it. Wow. One of my favorite lines in this scene is when... <laughs> that was uh, a lot. I, I, that was a lot. I need to turn this off. <laughs> yeah, they actually, they like wasted their budget. Like the quality went down because they wasted their budget in like fake blood splatters stuff. Oh, quality's got a good ass from there. <laughs> we had all these special effects, meaty appendage stubs. 
Yeah. One of my favorite lines in this scene is just when Joker is driving. You know, it's just fucking explosions and crazy shit going on, and he's just like, I like this job. I like it. Yeah, I like yeah. it. <laughs> I thought, I took that literally like the semi-truck stuff. Like, he just, he just, he just loves driving the semi and he loves being I'm, on the road. I'm glad I was in the military and I went to semi-driving school. <laughs> the uh, bat pod makes its appearance in this scene after the, the tumbler gets shot with the rocket launcher, and... It's sort of like the scene in Begins where the Batmobile flies by and is knocking mirrors off the cars while the kids are like in the backseat of this car and it's like, holy shit, whoa. But like the way that it comes out and self-destructs with people on the street there, um, it just is so cool. And again, we sort of touched on this, but like as it turns corners and the fucking wheel rolls the opposite direction and it's just like so fucking clever and the way that he puts that suspension cable zigzags underneath the semi and the light poles and that in yeah. real life this is just some nolan shit actually flipped that semi on its back is fucking incredible and and then rides up the wall and fucking spin actually that's one of the things i don't like about this scene is that i don't like that oh i love the ride up the wall and spin oh i don't like cuz it shows how how agile that fucking batpod is i love it but we see him decide not to run over the Joker and crash himself by slide. Like, we just saw you do some insane superhero shit, and now you are going to slightly not hit this man who's, you know, two and a half feet wide, and now you're going to crash? Couldn't you just hit the brakes or gone further to the right? or done I, any I number thought of that he... You guys have, must have a different version than I did because I could have swore he ran over like a Mario Kart banana peel. You know, it's the color grading. You can't see the yellow very well. Yeah, man. They were so dark with these movies. <laughs> I remember Batman used to be bright. It wasn't so depressing. It was fun. Yeah, man. Back when I, Those yeah. were the days, man. Separate man, drinking West, fountains. Man, back when I was a kid, out of West, there was banana peels all over the place. Yeah, we really need to make Batman great again. Bringing it back yeah. around. Yeah. You. Yeah. You're always waiting to get your. Yeah. Uh, I can't even say so, it. Yeah, politics. Always uh. bringing your politics <laughs> into the into the comic book, Sam. Oh uh, yeah. When was when was Batman ever not great? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, tell me when he was great. <laughs> I don't like your implication here. That scene where Batman is bearing down on Joker in the motorcycle. Hit me! Could, Hit me! Could, right, yeah, that seems like the first time in so the movie cool. where he's really got the idea that, like, this guy isn't going to cross these lines. Mm-hmm. And I want him to. You're right. That, that's, that's exciting to me, and that's all I care about, and he won't do it. So let's get him to do it. Come on, let's, let's get it to happen. Well, the whole, everything after the movie is all about that, and this seems like that dividing line where it starts to become mm-hmm. that. That's true. I, that never occurred to me that this is kind of showing his hand a little bit Mm-hmm. by crashing himself like an idiot, he does reveal that he won't quite do whatever it takes. Yeah. Excellent point, Ben. Everything about this scene is awesome. I love the wire to get the helicopter, the wire to flip the semi-truck. Rack him up, Joker. rack him up. Joker stumbles out of the semi-truck and fires his gun at the yes. same time while yeah. he's stumbling. Yeah. I love him just brat, brat, tossing rounds at those oncoming cars and and driving them off the road. We've all been uh, there, yeah. 
yeah, that's the best of times for me. So many memories. <laughs> when it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that Batman being as durable as he is gets in like a little kind of slidey motorcycle accident and then he's like seemingly semi-unconscious. That seems sort of weird to me. I wish but that I they had made Gordon and Batman in on it together. I think it's that would have made it. Big plan, yeah. Okay, yeah, the big plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, knew that's he true. was going to crash the motorcycle, and he knew yeah. that Joker was going to walk up. <laughs> He's going to play dead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get it. I'm stupid. You don't well, think like these guys do. Yeah. One of uh, Heath's best parts there, though, is when his goon touches Batman's cowl and gets shocked. That's what, that was my next thing. Yeah, dude. That's, his giggle. He's so he's so delighted <laughs> by that guy getting shocked. Like yeah, the, he loves it. Way he fucking mocks his own guy getting shocked like severely. Uh, it's just. You electrified your mask. That is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> Love you. Oh my god, I can't wait to be with you forever. I mean, that almost made up for not hitting me. Well, the <laughs> the movie is very serious, and so the fact that they still give us such jovial, over the top laughter when shit is fucked up, I still like that. You know, I actually watching this with a critical eye, I appreciated that he does actually joke and fuck around more than I had given him credit for in this movie. I love it. He's truly delighted by that man's pain. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was because it's possible that I felt like this in the past, but it just been a while since I had seen this. Again, I like seeing all these really thought out plans, and I love that this whole thing, even Joker's plan is so thorough that his getting captured is intentional. Like, all of that stuff, even if he hadn't fully thought out every single aspect of that stuff, and there's a lot of intricacies to that kind of thing, he didn't even actually plan to succeed necessarily. Or maybe there was a different version of his plan where he did or something, but I think he really did need to get captured. And to think that you do all that shit, and the whole point is to not actually win anyways, because there's another layer of your plan to follow after that point. It's like Harvey thinks he's giving himself away, and then Batman and Gordon actually have their plan underneath it, and it's not just to stop the Joker, it's to lure him into this trap, and that was a whole trap on top of it. Just like you're saying, it's like there's so many layers to that. And again, that's where like people who either don't like this movie as much or just don't like it at all, that's the kind of stuff they hate. Like, like your dad? So, <laughs> yeah, he was actually awake the whole time, he just fucking hates this movie. <laughs> so contrived and so complex and so unbelievable but it's just awesome because that to me the scene we're at now where he's he's been captured and the batman is going to interrogate him in the cell that's where this movie takes the shift have either of you seen Mulholland drive uh yeah but i don't really remember you say moana or Mulholland drive (laughs) (laughs) well What's the answer to either question? Yes, Moana. They're both yeah, very that. similar. One of the best soundtracks <laughs> I've, I've ever seen in a movie. Um, Mulholland Drive, so it's a Dave, uh, not a Dave Fitcher, um, David Lynch movie. Yeah. And it's like really, really weird. And the whole first chunk of the movie is very different from the second half. And the whole first chunk is very cheesy and corny and the dialogue's very like, gee whiz, Hollywood. And so this dividing line in the movie where Joker's captured and he has this interaction with Batman, that's, to me, where all that corniness before felt like it was intentional because it really sets that moment of, like, whatever you thought Batman was, whatever you thought he was accomplishing in this city, none of it is for anything. It's like, it will not work here. Being, like, having all these tech skills and taking out guys in foreign countries and all this, all that 
doesn't work for this problem, for these problems. And that the, this whole movie is like, even if you look at the end where Batman's like, I'll be the hero the city needs and all that, the movie, the Joker wins in this movie. Yeah. It's like, it's just, things just keep getting worse. It is such a dark movie. And it's, it's that, that's why, I, when I say that corniness, like, I love it because that's the turning point. Heath Ledger's acting in that interrogation scene is just like the tipping point of this movie where it just, it's bleak. It's so bleak. And it, all that, like, mob nonsense before it just pales in comparison to everything after that. Well, yeah, and what happens right after this is that famous interrogation scene. I mean, it's just one of the greatest... In fact, if you come back to Heat, that movie was significant because it was pairing Pacino and De Niro, these two powerhouse actors, legendary for working in the same movie even, Godfather 2, but never on screen together, right? And putting these two people is one of the best scenes ever, in my opinion. Like, Pacino didn't have the evidence. He couldn't take him in, but he knew what was going on. They both knew what was happening. And they have this coffee shop scene where they both sit down and they are saying how this is going to end for one of us, right? And it's just mesmerizing, this scene. And I think Nolan took that idea. And this is not the end of the movie. The Joker's in fucking jail and Batman's in there with him. And this is not the end of the movie. Exactly. And you'd feel like it was the end because we're two hours in. Yes. And and, and exactly. Like, we're getting this, again, this famous, like, you have rules. You You have nothing to do with all your strength. And again, that is the brilliance of this Joker is that he totally fucking corners him. He totally just disables him. This is easily my favorite scene in this movie. What And what makes them interesting is my favorite scenes are they're both the Joker and one other person. And I don't know if it's the writing or what it is or how personal. I think it's mostly how personal they get in both scenarios because the other one is like him and Harvey in, in the hospital and how they're just kind of like, they're just kind of leveling and really revealing themselves to each other. And that's why what I really like about this scene is I love how personal it gets and I also love that in the hospital he reveals to Harvey how he isn't isn't a schemer this is like kind of his whole agenda is just to like upset the apple cart but honestly I'm just kind of like a kid and I wouldn't really know what to do and stuff but then when he's talking to Batman it's the same level of like personally forthcoming it's like this yeah it's like it's incredibly honest because this is i couldn't have this kind of conversation with anybody but batman because batman is the only person who would understand the things that i'm saying that's how i feel with you evan Mm. our friendship what what kind of things that you would would you share with me that you could only share with me i I can be my true (laughs) self with you yeah, yeah. Pretend Ben's in a, pretend future Ben. Future Ben is in here. He's already heard this. Yeah. Anyways, it's like not, it's not the. You want to know how I got these scars? I'm a crazy little. It's like he's not yeah, putting yeah, on actually, the show. Yeah, not, I just want to tell you, I'm really excited by what you do for this city and what you think you've done. And I want you to know that you've got my support. Yeah, I really am really into it, but you don't go far enough. First of all, without you, big fan. Without you, there is no me. Yeah. <laughs> 
regular, and part of it is just the delivery is just because I think it's funny, but he has that, they'll cast you out like a leper. And partially, I just like the, like a leper. Yeah. But, yeah, I just love that it's a, yeah. it's a conversation. Like, you know, we're a fly on the room in a conversation that only these two people would have because no one else would even understand the depth of character that they're sharing with each other at those times. The obsession and the extremes that they both go to. Yeah, and how he simultaneously gets under Batman's skin. And, and additionally, the, like... <laughs> Hits him in the face like you never start with the face. Boom, hits his hand. See, <laughs> you can't feel the next thing. I always thought yeah. that was weird. Who punches a guy in his flat palm? That would hurt. There's so many. I mean, there's tons of nerve endings in your hands and feet. That's Sam, really quick. Put your hand on your desk. And yeah. Hit him with hit the it hammer. Your hand. Yeah, go get a sledgehammer and hit it. Real quick. Okay. Hey, lady, like come here man. a second. Help me out with this experiment. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love when. He is just throwing punches. He smashes the glass with his fucking face. And every time, no matter how hard he hits him, there's so much adrenaline that all he can do is laugh at the situation of like, oh my God, look how desperate he's getting. Look how much I'm getting to him. Like, even when he's feeling (laughs) the full extent of Batman's strength, he just can't get enough of it. And it's so satisfying. And he has that, like, you have nothing yeah. line. You know, like, there's nothing that you could, you you can hurt me, but there's nothing that you can do to really hurt me. That's so awesome. And honestly, that is like a classic nightmare, too. Like, I've had many times over my life, because it's like a control. <laughs> it, no, it, for real, it's like... Nightmares of Batman it's like a Batman or... No, he, he's no. Batman. No, he is Batman. In it's like a, a classic um, control <laughs> issue sort of dream. Where, you know, you'll be like in a fight or you'll be attacked or something and nothing that you can do to this person, no matter how hard you hit them, they're impervious to what you're doing to them. And so that's actually taking a bit of like real psychology and kind of applying it to Batman Uh and Joker in that he's trying to punch his way out of this box and he is facing someone where that isn't going to stop him. A lot of times, too, yeah, once I had that whole soldier thing in my head, then I was applying it to all those, just everything. And that was one of those in particular, too. In any scenario where he's got a one-on-one with the person, then he knows what to say to those people to really get under their skin. Because you would also be familiar with, like, anti-interrogation techniques. So uh-huh. Batman's really trying to take it to him, and it's just not phasing him because he can handle it. It's crazy. He doesn't even care. Well, and, and then, then when, right and after then when that, the other dude comes in. Then he's like, "Let me just flip this around and use this guy to my advantage." I need a phone call. That guy's also an excellent actor. Just a small parts, tiny little parts in this movie, but they're every scene he's in is great. Yeah, that was that was fantastic. <laughs> well, man, and what he says to him like, uh, "What?" You did another uh, crunching the Funyuns bag. It's funny yeah. though because every time you do it, it always takes like. Solid thirty seconds for you to realize that it happened. <laughs> well, but I, well, I don't really know. He, he can't hear it. He I know, I know. That's why it's funny. Well, and I also don't know what I'm doing because the it's, last time I was taking a drink and this time I was. Just, anytime there's like a big movement. What do you mean you don't know? It, the mic is hanging from you, so when things touch the mic, that's when. <laughs> <laughs> 
I wasn't jumping, Jax. Like, what the fuck do you want? This is, this is episode 22. We're still figuring out how the microphones still, work. Put both your hands on the table. Don't yeah, stop Well, moving. we are in quarantine using headphone microphones rather than actual microphones. You know, it's crazy to think that we used to do this in person. Like, how long have we been doing these? I feel like now we would actually Three years fight ago, each right? other. We'd <laughs> just get out of our <laughs> chairs. Like, like every, no! Like, every... No, like we couldn't record as frequently as we do because every time the person has to like heal from their last, you know, busted lip or broken <laughs> you know, eyeball or something. You were making a point. Yeah, he says the thing about his friends that really gets to him. Like, I know your friends better than you know your friends. Yeah, when, when people are, what is he, it's like when people are afraid or when they're about to die, you know, they feel yes, that yeah. they really are. Yeah, in their, the end of their, lives in their final stuff. moments. Yeah. I also love right before that when he's like, how many of your friends have I killed? You know, and the guy's like, and you've killed six of my friends. And he just gives that like, it's, uh. like, it's like when a cat will give you the silent meow. He goes, six. Uh. Like, he, he doesn't really say the word. <laughs> yeah. but he's just like, uh. six. Ooh. Yeah. Well, and that's another scene. Uh, Heath Ledger's delivery of that line. Again, in comparison, and I... And I I keep, I'm like making fun of it, but I do like the different versions of, do you want to know how I got the scars? But to me, the, do you want to know how I got the scars? Oh, I thought it was corny. It is kind of corny. It, to me, that's what I think of with like millions of people, you included, who dressed up like him. <laughs> and like, Fuck why you. so serious? It's all that kind of stuff, which is cool. But this is so much, I just like it more. And part of the reason I like it more is because it exists with that stuff, which is just a, a calm, disturbing, and upsetting moment of like, do you want to know which one of them were cowards? Yeah. He's not like doing a wacky voice. He's not doing anything really crazy with his face. It's just like malicious and it's twisted. sinister. Uh, I mean, if you think yeah, about... Sinister, that's perfect. Uh -huh. I mean, going back to the uh, semi-truck scene and his whole plan, I mean, think about it. That was actually very out of character for him. Just to like show up guns blazing and, and do all this. I mean, he's very much a manipulative person who is playing people like a chessboard, you know? And so for him to show up and throw this big diversion, you know, is... Shoot a rocket launcher. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean... Of a rocket launcher, man. It seems so obvious that he's like, oh, I'm going to throw myself out here and just fuck shit up until you arrest me, you know? Granted, uh -huh. they could have easily just shot him in the head, but I mean... <laughs> You know, it's PG-13, so. No, Joker can move really quick. He knows how to, like, twist out of the way of the bullets. So. Oh, yeah. Back to but the it Matrix. Been revealed that that was a fake Joker. Got <laughs> shot. He was actually controlling with an RC remote or something like that. Well, and then the last thing that he does that is just truly evil in this interrogation scene is he gives the opposite locations for Harvey and Rachel. That's a gut-wrenching scene. I mean, that like, is because he knows oh, yeah, he does. He does do that, huh? Yeah. And he, he said, you know, I really thought that you were Dent the way you threw yourself after her, you know, and he, so he knows there's something to that, even though he doesn't know what it is. And so then he gives the opposite directions, knowing that he's going to probably go after Rachel. Everybody, us in the audience, Harvey Dent, Rachel, Batman, everybody knows he's going to save Rachel. Yeah. Like, you know that. And I think maybe it's because of the psych out earlier in the movie where you thought he was going to become Two-Face and he didn't. That you're already, you don't know what to expect or where, where the story's going to go for the Harvey Dent character. And then so just like my stomach drops 
you yeah. already know what's going to happen when you see there when she's like he's like they're coming for you and she's like I know Harvey so I just want you to talk to me and then when they bust open the door and it's like what are you doing here why are you saving me and well, she realizes it and honestly that moment of hesitation is kind of what creates Two-Face because he walks in that door expecting to see her and scoop her up and Batman stops dead in his fucking tracks and Dent is like what no not me like why are you here for me you know and, yeah. and Batman is I never, I never noticed that he's actually stopped moving compare that with Bruce in the penthouse when he's walking and disarms this fucking guy in his gun while he's passing by right he is shocked He's shook. He, he fucking, he can't move because he's like, wait, what the fuck is going on? And that moment of hesitation could have been the difference between getting Harvey far enough down the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way his face gets burned is kind of another weird contrived thing. What if he went in a straight line from the door instead of along the parallel of the building? He's laying there soaked in gas. We saw it in one of the last trailers. It was like, oh shit, okay. Maybe that's like, how. Who knows? I like your point about the hesitation. But we're, all, just, we're all speculating. I don't super know what he was trying to do with his chair anyways that ended up in the You're pool. just going like, to break it and, you know, ah, move out of the way and roll around. That part is also, like, fairly gut-wrenching with the whole walkie-talkies on the other side of the walkie-talkies. And you yeah. have Maggie hearing Harvey on the other side. Like, oh, God. When she realizes she's not going to be saved. Yeah. Even though, like, you, you kind of thought one of them was going to die, you expected it wasn't going to be her. And I love how that scene is executed visually, too, because they give you that quick flash of light and a gust of wind where her hair blows across her face. And again, they're not showing you anything gross, but you just feel the emotional weight of it so much. Yeah, that's the, this is the part where the movie is like, nothing will ever be good. Yeah, and then also <laughs> you know that because she gave that letter to Alfred... You know, she was going to choose Harvey. I mean, he's just lost everything over and over. You know, he returns the burnt-up coin to Harvey in the hospital. And that Harvey thinks, that means she's alive until he flips it over. He thinks, oh, she visited me while I was unconscious and she brought the coin back. And then, like, no. Whoa. No, that's not what it is. You know I what? About that. I have never once considered that. Holy that's shit. I thought, like, he had a moment of hope when he saw the coin. Oh, my God. And then... And then Realizing the other side is completely charged, like, no. I'm gonna watch yeah, this whole movie again that. tonight just to get that. <laughs> yeah. This movie's just full of those, like, you wanna feel good? No. <laughs> no, watch a different movie. Too bad. That's not what this movie is. Yeah, watch Richard Donner's Superman, buddy. This is not gonna make you feel good. So, obviously, that is isolated Bruce. Two Faces Born. Joker takes Lau, which, uh, again, is just. His brilliant plan to get caught, because again, what was his motive in the first place? To take out the mob. And so, oh, Batman brought Lau back for me. Thanks. You know? <laughs> like, you can't keep him safe. You know what I mean? I even have that line, you can't even protect yourselves. And it's fucking true. And we get this uh, Alfred and Bruce scene where he's so just beside himself. He's holding his cowl there in the penthouse. Alfred... Grabs that letter like, no, nah, you're not ready for this shit. But he has this like, you know, Gotham needs its true hero, and that's Harvey. And, and Alfred's just like, they're going to have to make do with you. I really like that moment, too, of Bruce explaining to Alfred, like, she was going to pick me. And so Harvey can never yeah. know. No one can ever tell Harvey. Because that's what informs Alfred to burn the note later. He's like, that's what Bruce thinks a man wants. 
if a man was going to find out that the woman he loved who he wanted to be with was not going to be with him, yeah, he would not want to know that if he could. Yeah. He tells him what he wants. I love the very short image after Joker gets out of jail and he's stolen the cop car. Yes. And he's, got his, and he's got his head out the window like yeah. a dog. Man, something about the... The hair. It must and... be like a fixed camera on the car that yeah. makes the background look so crazy because the car is so rigid. But yeah, I love him just... He's like wild and free with his head out the window. Looking so is Lau driving the car then? Who's driving the car? <laughs> uh, no, he's on the driver's side. He's... But he's in the back seat. Maybe just leaning back. Really no, I don't... Yeah, I don't know. He's, he's taking doing. the Ace Ventura to the next the level. He's... He's turned one of the police officers with his crazy psychological games. And now <laughs> they're driving him away. So we got Maroney even coming forward to the police and telling Gordon, like, all right, well, I could tell you where he's going to be today. Mm. And then everything burns. Fucking legendary. I mean, one scene after another is just iconic shit. Like, you could easily just make a list of iconic film scenes or iconic Batman film scenes and just fill it with this fucking movie, man. Like, Uh Jesus Christ, he just... uh, So many of them are drawn from the comics, but again, in a unique or slightly different way to where it doesn't feel like they didn't have interesting ideas of their own. Yeah. Yeah, the money pile stuff was straight from Long Halloween minus the money burning, but I liked it. Well, and burning Lau on top of it is another one of the things they sort of just, they show you is happening, but they don't really pay too much attention. I didn't didn't even think think about about that, honestly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he throws the fucking money at his face. He's tied up on top of it, you know? How fun would that be to Oh, yeah, dude, that is. Oh, yeah, totally. I I love when he slides down it, too. Is that digital? Did he hit him in the head, and how many takes did that take to hit him in the head? That's that's, that's beautiful. Also, the the sliding down the money thing looks super awesome. Like some Scrooge McDuck money slide stuff. (laughs) Because he's with both arms up, and he's kind of unstable, but he's having a good time. Yeah, Yeah, I love it. And also, uh, what if he didn't do that in one take, and then the money pile was all screwed up? (laughs) They had to fix the money pile again. Doesn't Joker tosses a knife in that part? Yeah. Or, yeah, he throws a knife to the his henchman to like. Yeah, it made me wonder who caught his knife. That was another thing. That's my little note. Who caught his tiny little knife? It says, like somebody just oh just bear palm caught his open knife. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Thanks, Joker. It's henchman work gloves. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, henchman brand work gloves. Yeah. Get a sponsor. Uh, Coleman Reese goes on TV. Then we get the whole. If Coleman Reese isn't dead in an hour, I blow up a hospital. Like. Now he's just a full-on terrorist. Okay, Uh fucking shit. The end of Batman Begins, they talk about escalation. This whole movie, escalation. Uh My note says, if Reese was killed, how would they contact Joker? He doesn't give them any contact information. (laughs) Here's my card. How would they know? Yeah, how would they know if he was actually dead? Are you saying the things in this movie are somewhat improbable when you... Look at them. It would be on the fucking news. There's just just questions. I just have questions. (laughs) I did love that, though, in the beginning when he says, here's my card, like, in a serious way. So good. I'll be around. You'll see me. I'm the creepy dude with green hair and shit. (laughs) Me or? I'm on TV every other day. You'll you'll find me. You'll know. Scars. Nurse Joker is... So hot right now. Man. (laughs) I actually, I wrote uh, this whole time. I've been re-listening to some of our stuff, 
and there's been random things that I've wanted to draw, and that made me want to draw a version of the Enema of the State cover. Oh, yes! <laughs> yeah, but with Joker as the first lady. Wait, what about the tits, though? Uh, he'll have titties. Yeah, he'll just have titties. Big old Joker tits. All right, Big old I'm sweet, sweet Joker tits. I'm, I'm less into it now. That's just weird. No, it's not. I, well, I mean, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to have titties on him. Which would you? I'll, I'll drop both. How about what if I drop? <laughs> one for me and one yeah, for you. I have, I have a random ongoing list of like weird things that we've proposed. Just things that I would think would make good images, and and that's one that I thought of during this. Like a retrospective. Like yeah, it's on the list. I like when uh, Bruce, again, we get more plainclothes Bruce in action here. Will you be wanting the back pod, sir? Like, uh-huh. in the middle of the day? You know, like the Lamborghini then, much more subtle. Like, <laughs> mm. yeah. And the way he, again, acts as like a full-on human shield is so good because they give you that fucking classic kind of ditzy Bruce humor. You think I should go to the hospital? You know, he's like, you don't watch a lot of news, do you? <laughs> and he, yeah, and he pretends he doesn't know who the dude in the car was. Like, did you do that on purpose? And he's like, no. But uh, he gives him that uh, look, uh, too, trying, you know? You mean trying to make the light? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. What do you, what? Yeah. What are you talking about? When he looks at Coleman, Coleman's his name? Yeah. And he's just like, you see, I saved you. Yeah. Like, I understand, you know? Mm-hmm. That guy's like, okay, I'm not going to... I won't blackmail you. You're pretty good. Yeah, You're don't, okay, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a Mike Judge, Beavis and Butthead thing. To make something brilliantly stupid, you have to be really smart. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm, that's the level I'm operating at. Yeah, which one am I? <laughs> You're the people that I manipulate through my smart dumbness. <laughs> so, yeah, we get the great agent of chaos. You know, chaos is fair. Evan's um, second favorite scene. Just when the first look at that amazing, I don't know how much of that is practical and how much of it is CG. I think it's all CGI. It's, it's so good. Yeah. yeah. It because it, it, it like it channels all the great stuff from the comic adaptations of Two Face and also it's very the, Tim Sale animated series. Yeah, and more literal too, like human musculature instead mm. plus burned flesh. Instead I love just like weird purple gray stuff. Mm. I love how mad Two-Face is originally, and then he, like, settles more as Joker talks. Like, he's, this kind of makes sense, actually. You know, then he passes him the gun, and Two-Face explains his logic to Joker, and Joker's into it. Like, that's my kind of game, you know? That's so cool. Yeah, it almost makes you wish that we had had more of them sharing scenes. Yeah, I could have used a two-faced Joker team up in this movie. Another hour of them just doing stuff. <laughs> well, dressed, no, dressed as girls. <laughs> more so, like in the end of the movie, where I mean, we're almost there. I remember watching it for the first time, and when he's hanging upside down and he's making his big speech, you know, I remember feeling very emotional. Like you're so engrossed in this film and in this portrayal. It's like nothing we've ever seen before, and it's so brilliant. And then in that scene, it really hit me of like, oh, he's gone. This is never going to happen again because it's such a great setup. I mean, they could have easily written out that Dent survived somehow, or even if he didn't, Joker lived at the end of this. I mean, he fell like Nicholson, but then... 
grappling hook catches him. You know, I love that. And, and he's pissed. Y- yeah, and we just get this amazing monologue, and it just it just hit me so hard that like, wow, we are never gonna see this again. You know, he's he's gone. Where the real life and the cinema intersect. For real, yeah. This time in that scene, so that whole last scene with uh, threatening to blow up the whole city and then putting the bombs on the two boats, it's kind of a neat scene, but I think it's unnecessary. And I mean, I think it kind of, the two purposes it serves, it serves one to give us one more big climax of Batman doing like Batman stuff, of infiltrating a building and saving hostages and fighting a bunch of people and reinforcing a little more of like the Joker thinks people are bad when you put them in bad situations and Batman thinks they'll rise to the occasion well and also though the trigger happy cops because they are wanting to go in guns blazing he has to literally beat up and throw the SWAT team out the building so they won't shoot the hostages who who are made up to look like the perpetrators it's an exciting scene but it and again maybe it it partially is to give more weight to what comes after yeah again as I say Batman loses this movie. However, the last little like exciting sting of emotional music and all that happens, this Batman loses. Like the Joker wins in this movie. He wins across the board. And so that scene is just a little excessive to me, but that conclusion of it, them having their little mini fight on the top of the construction site, and then the monologue, it's so effective. And this time, more than any of the other times I watched like that Joker and seeing him as a man. Yeah. Not seeing him as like a super villain or like just a foil, like really seeing like how he is the counterpart to Batman. Of mm-hmm. Just a genius mind, but for all the wrong intents and going in all the wrong directions. Yeah. But he's still just a person. I think you're right though, because the fairies do slow the pace of the movie a bit. When it's so long already. Everything else is really just nonstop, and that sort of does make you kind of take a beat even while everything is ramping up. But again, at the same time, we're seeing Dent become Two-Face and going around and shooting people. And, you yeah, know, and so, he's I mean, shooting bad people. He's shooting the people who wronged him, but also people who are criminals, who are violent and dangerous. But he is Two-Face. He's the Two-Face we know. Yeah. And I think that's more compelling and more interesting than any of the fairy stuff. And it is kind of like a neat little beat of like, oh, the criminals are the ones who actually, in this case, it's Tiny Lister, the famous guy who's always the big guy in all those movies. Yeah. You think he's going to, you know, let me take it and I'll do the right thing. And then he just throws the detonator out the window. It's like, so whatever's going to happen now, it's not on us. We're yeah. not going to blow all those people up. We're just going to be here. And it's neat, but it's just excessive. To me, it is like that last scene of the three, the guy who was going to save him from having to be Batman and the city was going to be better and everything was going to be turned around. That guy became the worst problem or one of the worst problems in the city right now. And Batman had to kill him to stop him. Yeah. Like, Joker got everything he wanted. And honestly, I like that you say that because in that last scene, Dent has his very righteous monologue, right? As he's going on about, you know, what's fair and, like, telling Gordon, like, you should have listened to me in the first place. He flips the coin and points it at Batman and shoots him. No, he points it at himself first. I think he gets that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he does that. I think it's really nice because he's committed to his insane logic. Yeah, yeah. But then uh, what I mean to say is there's a first coin flip, right, that Batman ignores and gets shot for it. And then there's two more coin flips, and he uses the last one 
as the moment while he's distracted to pounce and take him down, right? If he had just done that the first time, he wouldn't have been shot. Yeah. That's another <laughs> thing that doesn't quite make sense. And you could probably like try and justify it with saying like he was too ready the first time, but now that he thinks Batman is down and he's focused on other things... Yeah, it's another like it's a contrived setup to give you an exciting set piece. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's good, and it's not exactly a moment you train for. This is a very weird situation. It might not occur to you, like, how do I fucking, you know, you're looking at all the variables here, and you're up against a fucking cliff, basically. What options do I have while he's doing that math? Is when he gets shot? I don't know, but I think it's actually one of those super deep Easter eggs because Michael Keaton gets shot so much that he's just being Batman. He just gets shot, and you just yeah. Batman off. just gets shot a lot. He's, He's done just, so much jujitsu and aikido and focused breathing that those bullets just don't affect him the way they would affect us. Wait, he shops at IKEA. He's being true to the character. Oh. Yeah, the one hundred thirteenth martial arts style out of the one hundred twenty seven that he knows is all about getting shot, taking like bullets to the off. chest. Yeah. yeah. Now, did you guys watch the version of the movie where when two flights flipped the coin, Batman threw all the other coins at him? distracted him and then pushed him off the building the better version the Snyder cut of this movie yeah I'm leaving (laughs) I'm sure it'll be good it's just an easy target that's all how many people Sam have given us ratings and have shared comments like that person that you shared the other day we've only had a couple of actual like reviews most people just put in the stars you know by the way give us that five star rating on iTunes you know what help us look good it made me feel real good in my heart that uh, that Keith Chief was all up on the. Uh, hey, to anyone who watches this, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy it. That's true. And, Thank you, guys. But save your comments for yourself. I'm not going to do anything different. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a hard ass! Future Ben Polanski, fucking badass. <laughs> I've got my Mountain Dew IV. I'm parked on the couch. Yeah. My life is not changing at all. He gives zero shits about you. Oh man. So um there's a few <laughs> things we didn't touch on, but let's uh let's kinda wrap this up. Easter eggs. I don't think I've any Easter eggs. I, oh no, okay, I guess the long Halloween and that stuff. Yeah, we had a few things. Um we didn't expressly mention that the whole hit me scene with the bat pod is very, very, very uh, Batman eighty nine with the like Come on you gruesome son of a bitch, come to me, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like, I was waiting for his bicycle to have like scissors and that was, <laughs> <laughs> cut some balloon strings but or That scene to me again seeing it the first time I was I was overjoyed because it was it showed a deep love for the original, you know. Yeah. That really made it for me. Another one is the end of the movie where Batman does knock off Two-Face and he does the whole cliffhanger move with Jim Jr. in the same way that he did with Roz in the first one. You know, the, the one-armed... He, he has a harder time lifting this boy up. Man, he was just shot. That's yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> get a bullet wound. Full-grown Liam Neeson with one arm up and over. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's different when you start the fire versus when you get gunned down. I don't know. <laughs> So, pros, I'll let you guys go first. All the, like, the tiny stuff you talked about, the biggest thing, I think, with this movie, again, other than the tone, I love that this movie is the downer. It's hidden a little bit, but they try and make it seem like more of an uplifting movie than it is because it really is just not an uplifting movie. It's bad. It's a fun, action-packed movie, but it's also the Empire Strikes Back. 
yeah, and if you shave away all the action stuff and all the comedy, it's just the turning point of Batman going like, oh, this sucks. I'm going to keep doing it because I'm messed up, but this peel, sucks. Peel away all the action into just like one giant ear of corn. <laughs> <laughs> but it's rotten. It's yeah, not just good. corn. It's just corn and corn at the middle. My other big pro is that, and again, it has the benefit of leaning on the long Halloween, but this movie sells more than any of the other Batman stuff we've covered or any of the stuff I've read. The whole idea of like Batman bringing out the worst in these other people, and he is the cause of these freaks coming into the city. It felt there was more weight to that Freak. In this movie than there was in Long Halloween. Freak! Yeah, not the, not the F-works. Sorry, I was, I was channeling Raphael. But like yeah, the, yeah. the end of Long Halloween, with, I mean, again, that's the whole point of that book, but with uh, Alberto being like, you just think I'm a freak or we're just freaks, all that kind of stuff. Like, it's effective in that, but this movie is the best version of any of that. Yeah, this seems like the first time that anything in live action or animation has even explored that concept. We pretty much covered my pros list. My favorite scenes being those one-on-one scenes with Joker and another character. I love the Reese and Lucius Fox scene. Yeah, Ledger is great all around, but in particularly, I was watching it this time, was very struck by how awesome his character's voice is considering I've seen other stuff that he's played roles in and what I assume is more of his natural voice and how much of a different deviation that is without the aid of digital sound effects. I didn't once in this movie think, oh, this guy's Australian. (laughs) Every time I see see him and things, as good as he is and as interesting as all the accents are, I always remember, like I can hear little bits of his real accent. He he does yeah. it in this one at the end where uh, he says about Dent because you were the best of us, but he says you were the best of us. You know, like mm. we don't say here. I just there's just little tiny things that he'll he'll let it slip when he gets really intense. Yeah, and it might be because he 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 doesn't have like one American accent. He does a different one every single time. That's yeah. probably a lot to keep track of. Well, and also mm-hmm. with Nolan being a British director, and uh, you know, I just feel like there's probably people who just aren't catching it. You know, yeah. <laughs> or and Gary Oldman's there. I mean, Gary Oldman has little bits of like where the accent comes through, but it's because I think his 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 accent in the movie is already more like there's more to it. I never heard his slip. I don't think it's just little. I mean, that's it's just. Being from Gotham, I know what a real Gotham accent sounds like, and it's not bad. <laughs> it yeah. just, it sounds a little phony. Yeah, you grew up there. Yeah. Um, Evan, you were on your pros, though. I didn't interrupt you with your pros. That's, that's pretty much it. I was just, the contrast between his normal voice and this is such a huge variance between the two that I was like, man, every aspect of his role in this is awesome. It doesn't seem like there's any failing, but it's just so cool that stuff is so completely in that character and so completely unique to the point that it has seemingly altered like all parts of you. You're not like, my character looks like that character, but sounds totally different. He's addressed every aspect of that character. It's incredible. Have you guys seen the Tom Waits footage that inspired the voice? I have have done. It's freaking awesome. Yeah, there's, there's old interviews of Tom Waits on like talk shows speaking and it is uncanny but that is what Ledger drew on when he was doing his 
his research and trying to figure out like what what his Joker was going to sound like. Mm-hmm. And what um, a weird source for material too. Yeah, it's very obscure, but it is. It is spot on. It's crazy. I had two other pros that I didn't say that I was thinking of earlier. One, I just want to give a big shout out to the practical effects in this movie. Yeah. Again, we talked about like the the semi truck scene, but the hospital. Yeah. Like, every aspect of yeah, the hospital yeah. blowing up. Not only the way it's shot, but just like the spectacle of it. That's it's, fucking real. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Who does that? Yeah, it's fantastic. Take that, Michael oh. Bay. Oh, you fucking idiot. Um, Me or. <laughs> Eric Roberts though also mm. both best of the best I love it's a very fun martial arts movie from like the early 90s to the 80s and he's the lead in it and he's great and he's Julia Roberts brother I think really yeah mm. but, yeah he uh, was awesome great Maroney like, the grounding presence of like normal criminals in this movie and yeah. the scene what we didn't talk about where Batman's hanging him off the side of the building and it's like oh you you know, you're kind of dumb because I'm not going to die if you drop me from this height. And Batman's like, yeah, I'm counting on it. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> His scream when he hits the ground. So gross. <laughs> yeah. But Eric Roberts, good job. Yeah, he was really good. And I thought a good um, stand-in since, you know, Tom Wilkinson was obviously taken care of in the first one. Yeah, I thought he brought that vibe to this movie really well. Uh, my pros were basically cast, you know, like we've talked about. I mean, Maggie, I thought was a phenomenal addition. Michael Caine at his finest, uh, just super, uh. super funny. <laughs> it's, it couldn't be higher than four. Right? I'd call it third finest, whatever that is. Finest. <laughs> it's his finest role. And, of course, Ledger. But I also wanted to touch on, talked a lot about the script and the score, but not so much the character design what you said Ben about Two-Face you know there was so much secrecy and so much build up and so much merchandise also for this movie that at the time you couldn't even really get any Two-Face stuff you know I like I eventually got one of the the Mattel figures but like when you're going to the stores you could only get the the Joker and the Batman and stuff like you know they they didn't drop that shit even till later and so like there's no t-shirts with fucking Two Face on them there's no none of the they, dude you go to any fucking store on Earth in 2008 and there are Joker t-shirts and posters and shit everywhere right there's no for Two Face is the gnarliest looking shit and. Did they release toys later? Yeah, not yeah. Like adult, not toys for adults that are like $800. But it was yeah, like yeah, yeah. I got, yeah, I got the Mattel figure later. But, I mean, again, like all those the cool like posters and marketing shit that they put out and T-shirts, like those just don't exist with Two-Face on them because it was such a secret. And his looks uh-huh. so cool when they reissued a, or put out a second version of their Hot Toys figure last year. Like I, I jumped on that in a hurry. The first one I ever just pre-ordered. Because I fucking love the way his character looked. That's one thing they don't really address. I don't know if Joker hooked Harv up with his tailor. Um, yeah, but, but later but later on in the movie, there's just like a couple scenes where he shows up and he has like a half-charred jacket. No, that whole side of his suit was also in the gasoline and he was no, perfectly was parallel to the building when it, it blew was, up. So just <laughs> Wait, how was, that, how was that even a question? Yeah, he just got his clothes that he was... In at the time. But they're like the cartoon where they're perfectly like half. Yes. Half but black, half yes. Also, if, I bet if you looked back at that scene, it's only his face that's on fire and Batman smothers his face that's on fire, not yeah. his whole body. 
I don't think it that's is. true, but it okay. Is. It's, it's, just true. His, it's just his case. He like went to Versace and then also employed some homeless person to stitch him <laughs> like a hybrid jacket. I'm looking part, at the first doo and heart part. Couture. I'm I'm looking at the figure right now, and it's really only the shoulder up, though. It's not even the whole suit. So I mean, it is just his top portion. No, never occurred no. to me. Eh. What I, I would uh, say though is the symmetry being so perfect. That's the only thing they could have. If they're going real, 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 like everything is, that's the only thing I would have maybe thought to improve. Inconsistent. Yeah, but it's awesome. Yeah. It's so yeah. cool. Oh yeah, such a good character design. And the way that they tease it too, like in the hospital scene, he's speaking and it's the camera is low and on his side profile. And then, like, he'll start to turn his head and it'll cut away. And so you get like, like a frame, a tiny frame. glimpse and, and you never yeah. really see it. So when they fully reveal, it's just such a big moment. And I just love the way that that was portrayed. Imagine he can't ever blink in that eye. That eye is just always open. So dry. He buys a lot of Visine. <laughs> yeah, where's Ben, where's ben Stein? <laughs> Um, he has the scene where he takes the drink and then it's like just dribbling out of his mm. weird face holes. Also, what does that crap sound like? Can you imagine alcohol dripping yeah, on that open flesh, though? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I love that, too. And it's just something I feel like I didn't appreciate the earlier times when Gordon visits him and he's like, you know, they tell me you're just in excruciating pain and you won't take the medicine. So the, imagine, yeah, so imagine the entire end of the movie from that point on anytime you see him he's just in like the worst pain a person could possibly be in That's both emotionally true. and physically yeah like talking talking would hurt so bad well it's yeah. sort of like we talked about in uh dark knight returns you know he he thinks he looks how he feels yeah. you know mm-hmm. after yeah, yeah. his surgery he looks normal but he thinks that he looks how he feels and this is sort of like taking that from another angle yeah the other way yeah. Fixing my face and making the physical pain go away is not going to make me hurt any less. Exactly. Yeah, he looks as bad as he feels. Yeah. Ben, <laughs> your, your little faux scene right there was making me think of, like, he's trying to convey to the tailor the look he's going for that is not, they're not quite getting it. So Listen, tell him look at like, my face. It's so, so bad. Look at the face yeah. and then do it with the rest of this. <laughs> <sighs> also, of course, Ledger's redesign just being... I know some people didn't like it, but for the most part, it was just groundbreaking and, and game-changing, you know? Yeah, those people are stupid. I no. think that, Fact. again, we've talked about Lee Bermejo being, like, one of my very favorite artists, especially when it comes to Joker, and I really wonder if they saw his designs or if they just came up with this independently or what. I would love to to know that, but I know that Ledger designed... His own, he did his own makeup. When did Joker come out, the book? They both came out the same year, but, same year. Uh, but it was finished earlier. And Bermejo made it sound like he w- wasn't aware of it or vice versa. Uh, I mean, they are different, but then... But so the Cheshire Joker, smile. The scars, though, the scars is the biggest similarity. That's yeah. like, even if you just ditch the clothing, because clothing could be different from scene to scene or something if you wanted to, but what's the same is the, the lumpy cut scars and the makeup on top of it. Yeah, and just the sort of grimy look in general with the hair. and. Mm. Well, and I told you, so I just beat Arkham Origins, which is the, the video game that's been done by like the B team or a side team, not the main one. 
the main story of that game is like Batman meeting Joker for the first time, and then the same kind of stuff from this, like Joker trying to fight him, and then when he realizes he's like this fucking weirdo with all these weird rules and limits, like falling in love with him. And then all the other Batman stories that we've talked about that have come out after this movie and all the other stuff we've read that we haven't talked about, just like realizing how much of those versions of the Joker come from Heath Ledger and what Heath Ledger brought to the character. Yeah. Because like Mark Hamill being the iconic version before this and still an iconic version, but it's very, very different. I think in particular, too, just if you ditch the scars, which seem to be like pretty much kind of a Bermejo niche until you get to the stuff i haven't read but with like capullo and all that crazy crap with his face and oh we're gonna do it i haven't read that but other than that it's like always it's always smooth it has a real comic book feel to it like ledger's looks grimy for the first time one it's makeup and not like a chemical treatment two it looks bad it looks sloppy all the time where everything else looks like green eyebrows they're slick smooth white skin Purple right, suit red lips. that's like not dirty and all clean. And it looks clean and classy. For the first time, he looks kind of filthy. And in particular, I, I really like, because it's makeup, you have the interrogation stuff where he's getting beat up and all that crap is coming off of his yeah. face. Like his eye stuff is running and all the stuff is coming off of his forehead. It looks cracky. You see the skin underneath. Well, and much like Nicholson, when he gets the water in the face, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. like that's like the coolest he ever looks. Uh-huh. It's interesting from you know, the cosplay perspective of doing the makeup. It's actually harder to do it shitty like he does it. Bad. Which it's funny yeah, you because be you have to wrinkle up your forehead. You have to create these crow's feet. You have to do all this weird shit to your nose and your, contort your face as you're putting it on to make those little crevices uh, uh-huh. of natural skin. Because it's obviously meant to just coat and apply <laughs> over these yeah. surfaces. So yeah, it's yeah. it's not like he just like put it on shittily. Like once you've done it, it's like, oh, you actually have to try to be this bad at it. Uh-huh. You have to put it all on in the morning and then go like jog for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, go swim for a little while. Yeah. Uh, Roll around. He just doesn't shower, that's it. For sure. He's, he's like Jared Leto. I think he probably drew a lot from Jared Leto from his other performances because he hadn't been Joker yet, but like he kind of knew what Jared, as I like to call him, was going for. And, uh, yeah, definitely inspired by... So, cons. Um, <laughs> I have a very short list. I don't believe Eckhart's most angry Two-Face. I don't like his shouting voice. I think he's phenomenally cast, and he does a very, very good job. But when he's the most unhinged Two-Face, I really could have gone a little more animated series with like a more lower gruff as opposed to a yelling that seems exaggerated. Well, it's really hard when you got your predecessor and Tommy Lee Jones just setting the bar so high. How are you ever going to measure up to that stuff? I won't respond. It's kind of not fair. My cons list is... Yes, Ben? Oh, he's dying. That's what it is. Has more to do with the city and the set design, but there's a real shortage of ancient bald men statues, <laughs> and I don't really buy this Gotham. This Gotham just looks like Chicago. It doesn't look like Gotham at all. Yeah, exactly. Batman Begins looked like Gotham. That's uh, that's true. Like a, the, it uh, did the evolve. Arrows, the arrows are fucking terrible. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they did look like hot garbage. Huh. Good point. Good point, uh, future man. <laughs> I don't even remember the origin of that joke and why you call him that. I just listened to that episode again. Now I feel like I need to make running things out of things that we've said. Oh, um, like we don't do that enough. <laughs> Nikki Cat, who's a he's either yes. a comedian and or just yes. a comedic actor. Every time I've seen this movie, the first time, the second time, this time, I hate him in this. No, and I hate that whole. Yeah, I hate it so much because it's Who like is he? he's the guy when uh, and I I know why they. Did I didn't it. sign it's, up for this. Yeah, it's because you have this guy's Gordon driving the uh, vehicle that's transporting Harvey when he's revealed that he's Batman. So they're distracting uh, the, uh, you. The guy? He's the guy like giving you the running commentary. Of, like, <gasps> Wait, he's the uh, water tower guy for this movie. Oh, they're heading straight for the water tower. Yeah, except it's four times as long, and he's much more annoying. Oh yeah, man, he does, he does say everything that I know about already. Yeah, I don't. It's just like that scene is so well composed. I'm I'm watching the movie. I see these things happen. I don't need him to tell they're happening. Also, and the driver can't do it because the driver's Gordon. It's a good diversion. I think. No, I hate it. It's a bad diversion. Probably it's poorly written. It could have been not that. The reason it works for me is. Pure bias, though, because one of my yeah, I do like one of my favorite shows when I was younger. He was one of Boston Public. Yeah, he was one of the main characters, and I never see him pop up. And so the fact that he was in that scene, I was like, oh shit! And you know, he's just hamming it up, fucking around, whatever. But I, I I liked it. And then only later, when you're watching it, you're like, oh, that was Gordon the whole time ignoring him. Yeah, it's his fault. He's okay. I just hate. I don't like that character. I don't need that. I can get why it's bad, but I like it. It seems like standard action also, movie dumb writing. They do that stuff all the time. And this this movie's four hours long. We don't need. You, <laughs> it's, could, you could like you could cut slim it down a little bit. Two and, and a half. This this episode's gonna be longer than the fucking film. <laughs> uh, my other con, I think, is just again the fighting in the suit. It's better than Batman Begins, but it's still. Now that we get to see it, we see it's very slow. A lot of like elbows. Do we like the right. suit in this movie, by the way? Because it is more mobile. I, I don't have any feelings about it. I think that it's okay. the uh, first I, one is more intimidating. I like the practical reasons for upgrading it, but I also think that when you get a good look at it, the legs are the dumbest looking bat suit since the 90s. Yeah, it's okay. I'd recently seen some stuff in the news about some storms in the Midwest, and it just made me think that maybe we could just send them a bunch of copies of this movie to help with their corn shortage. Because <laughs> it's full of corn. Wow. Yeah. Yes. The irony of you uh, first I was, saying first that. I was going to be like, oh, this movie's got more corn than Iowa or something. But then I was like, no, no, wait. They don't actually have that much corn. There were storms made, recently. You made it topical. I like it. Thanks. You guys remember that pandemic that happened when this was being recorded? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, these are uh, a little ahead of schedule. My other con was just the the sound mixing that we talked about, which is really cool and impactful, but when you're watching at home, is completely impractical. Yeah, yes. It's like I want to remaster for home or something where the dynamic range is a little more normalized. My dog was scared the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, uh, Tucker was on my lap, and he fucking was, like, asleep and hopped up at one point when... I might have been when the fucking dude slams into the mayor's window, the, the oh, dead, yeah, dead guy. It scares me every time. 
that woke my dad up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm a big jumper for shit like that too. I'm like, ah! Oh, shut up. Hockey pads. <laughs> Detective. Brian. <laughs> oh wait, wait. Before we move on, in terms of the sound mixing, it doesn't come through nearly as much when you're watching on just a regular TV sound system, but through the stereo, a lot of the complaints about the voice, they didn't happen until this movie. And I think it is just because of the way that it's super compressed and all the bass in it, and it's just very unnatural the way that it's done. I think it's mainly just the way that his voice was mixed more than the delivery, because he's not really talking any differently. You know, if you look at, like, the scene where he's in the bank vault in the beginning and, and stuff where he's actually talking to Gordon, it's very similar to the other movie. It's just mixed really excessively. The talking is so quiet. It's noticeably quiet. I think the weirdest parts when he's talking anyways are just when he has longer lines, because I love his voice. If he's like, you, stop, me, Batman. <laughs> and, and if they're like a couple syllables and very short sentences. So like Planet of the have, Apes dialogue. Yeah, when, they, when he has actual dialogue, like in the near the end and him and Joker having the scene. and Yeah. With the boats, because of the way that he's exerting his voice, he has to catch his breath. It's actually like doing music vocals or something where he's he's trying something different and it's well it's making him run out of breath well no it's not that he's playing that because he's got the fucking bar across his neck like while he's it's the original martha scene bar across his neck yeah you know he's like how about this or whatever he does with the fucking oh no that was the line from the first movie but the same thing he uses the the spikes from the gauntlets to fly at him He's on his back with the fucking bar across his neck or like the upper part of his chest. So like that's. If you just get off me for a second, I can talk. Yeah, Come that's on. why he's talking like that. Uh, I, just, that I think there's like in the eye from Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to go back and find it because I swear there's just a part where he's just kind of like kneeling and he's at the t you know they're on like the exterior of this building. Oh, it could be Joker's after he fell and he catches him with the grapnel. Yeah, it's kind of on the edge-ish. But anyways, I just got the feeling that it, it's just hard to make those sounds with your voice without also running out of breath at the same time. So he's just not very well suited for long-winded sentences. I mean, he also just pulled the full weight of a human being on like a 50-story fall. So, Well, having done that before, it not, <laughs> it's not as hard as Mr. Bale makes it It's not as hard as doing a punk show. The thing you don't appreciate when you watch these movies, because movie screens are very big. Well, anything, apparently, because we've got problems with a lot of you people. <laughs> you people? What? No. Yes, uh, it's uh, Jerry Stiller, Festivus, Seinfeld. Okay. <laughs> I got problems with a lot of you people. The airing, oh, airing of grievances. grievances. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. the airing of grievances. I was just going to say that you don't realize because he's so buff and movie screens are so tall. Christian Bale is like three feet tall. He's not that big of a person. <laughs> so it, it's hard to lift humans, especially when you're very small. That makes sense. Detective? Yeah, he repurposes the sonar to wider and broader applications, which is also another con. I think the whole subplot of the unethical usage of sonar and everyone is just another thing this movie doesn't need. How's he going to find him? Uh, he'll just go where he is. I don't know. Really <laughs> it's just unnecessary. He'll just smell the chaos. Yeah, yeah, he'll get there. We don't need a... I don't cross these lines, and then I cross... It's just... It's pointless. But he figures the machine out, which is smart. I also really like the bullet shrapnel yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah. That is That's some very good uh, Batman shit. That scene is shit. funny to me. 
they need multiple barrels for multiple bullets, but the gun that they're using to test that bullet test is a legit a Gatlin gun. It seems excessive. It probably came off the Batmobile. That's probably, yeah, I guess they just had a, they had a spare chain gun. They like t- they took it off for this experiment and they put it on that bar. That's true. Yeah, don't Bruce don't devised that whole mechanism. That's very sciencey. Yeah, engineering. Uh, pretty smart. I also smart. like the fact that he already knew that Lau's revenue was dirty money. Yeah. By the time Lucius brings it up to him, he's like, oh, yeah, we should probably look into that. And he's like, do you already know? <laughs> like, yeah. I, oh, yeah, I just needed to have a reason to... Yeah, that's fine. Which is why he was sleeping through the meeting. Is like, I don't give a fuck about this. Yeah. I already know the outcome. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Cancel the deal. <laughs> I already know. Okay. Any... That's it. I don't think there's any other detective stuff in this movie. Ninja? Pretty... The attack on the Hong Kong offices. Oh my God! Is, that's the ninja thing. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, for sure. That was the warehouse scene of its time. Like that was really, really a breathtaking sequence. But it doesn't hold up to the warehouse scene. No, there were so many times again watching this now with my dad, and not realizing he was asleep. So I thought he was awake and being like, "Oh, he's gonna pick this apart." Yeah, that he. Batman would have been shot like five times in that scene because he's moving very slowly. Well, Nolan is guilty of this one particular thing in action that it's sort of like when you watch the animated series and you're like, how did this goon get that shot in? You know, like, how did he hit him with that broomstick or whatever? Like, he was standing there looking at him. He could have caught, you know. But Nolan does this thing where guys have guns and run towards him instead of pulling the trigger, you know, and so... he. He very or they like wait. They wait a moment and they kind of. Yeah, it's just <laughs> a little. <laughs> it's a little too choreographed sometimes with that, but um, but still, that scene was really, really well done for the most part, and also the again, just that that penthouse scene is really, really good, just for a split yeah. second of like, oh yeah, yeah, he's a master. I love this stuff at the end because unlike in Hong Kong, he's just trying to take out all those bad guys. But in the stuff in the end with the tower, he's simultaneously trying to mm. take out the bad guys and save the disguised kidnappees. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 and while he's ninja. taking out that's the cops, tricky. he's also saving them. Yeah. So, yeah. That, For sure. Yeah. It's, like, it's very. open up all those guys that go over the edge, you know, but he's actually just more like disarming them and saving their life at the same time. Like, I got to get you out of the action, but you're not dead. Yep. <laughs> he does just throw those dogs down that pit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they dogs. just kind of go past it. Yeah. Well, er- nobody likes a movie where the dog dies, so, you know. Cut away quick. Can't acknowledge that. <laughs> yeah, it does. Get that, Chris. And we know that he upgraded the suit with that in mind in the beginning. So. Yeah, they do have the scene to address its mobility, but. You know, a little compromise. Trauma? Uh, Not so much. I think big time in that scene we talked about where Rachel was going to wait for him and, you know, he was finally going to have a a normal life and he was going to be able to step away. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, he did all this shit kind of out of desperation. And now that he sees a little bit of hope, you know, he's so ready to end this crusade and actually move on from his trauma. I just, I think like uh, Earth One did it better. God damn, Nolan. every episode. Bingo. <laughs> Talking about Earth One. Oh, yeah. That's part of the bingo. Man, you can't. Bingo has to be 
five things. You have to have five things to make a row. <laughs> that's three. That was like, three that was like three. Can't be big. Uh, well, in the book Earth One, <laughs> that we talked about <laughs> just the uh, the scene where Alfred's like, "Oh, so it was just like a random killing that killed your parents. Now you don't have to do this anymore." And he's like, "No, you don't get it. Now I have to do this forever because it wasn't some like somebody getting out." I think that's a better version of what you're talking about with this. Yeah. It's a shitty thing that happens to him, but it doesn't seem so directly related to his obsession with being Batman. Yeah. Also, in in this case, it's like three films that are one film versus in different versions, you might feel compelled to like portray it differently or make it more obvious because every one of those things was like a mini starting point in a thing that's kind of three in one. You'd really only sort of need to address it like once and then let the consequences roll out for, like, the next two. So, if anything, I would think that the trauma would be apparent in, like, Batman Begins, uh, and then everything else was just a sequence of events following afterwards. Like, you don't need to keep showing me that stuff because we're not actually restarting stuff every time. Yeah. I, I think about that in terms of comics because, like, you can tell good Batman stories without any one of these things, or maybe you could tell a good Batman story without anything where he's, he's not a detective, he's not a ninja, and he's not really all that fucked up. But, Adam but West? So, <laughs> I don't, it would be like a Green Arrow. It would be a Green Arrow story. But a lot of the comics, even when they're not about that, still work in some sort of like his messed up past or his childhood or something like that. Where yeah. this movie just doesn't have any of that. I guess maybe a little bit in the Joker relationship of like, that you're so messed up that you are this way and you have these weird rules, but you're still obsessed. But I just didn't feel it as much. Because I think you're saying it's in Batman Begins. It's yeah. not in this movie. Fully. Yeah, they're, they're more like the same, just one long thing. Uh-huh. I do have something that I could have created in the past, but it made me, uh, for the first time, want to address... You're making a it. face, and I don't like where this is going. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Sometimes I think of funny things in, the, in my head before I say it. In the, in the case of the Joker stories, I propose that we address how edgelordy this Joker is. <laughs> oh, uh, like a little addendum to the trifecta. Little, <laughs> yeah, like a, a yeah, it's, <laughs> exactly. The eye, the it's exactly. Yes, trifecta. I don't know what I don't know what the three traits would be, but I think that the no, Joker the means is how Edward. Uh, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the tip of the pyramid. <laughs> that, that's fine. How and then I want to on a scale how a one to five how Edgelordy is this Joker? Two, five being the most, one being the least. Yeah. Oh shit! Um, is that how our ratings work? I've been doing it backwards this whole time. <laughs> All these things we've been talking about. Oh, Mask of the Phantasm. It was a five. It was a really yeah, strong I don't even know. Five, I don't know if you remember that book that we read, Batman First One. But it was the worst Batman book I've ever read. Easiest five I've ever given. Hey, you know, <laughs> shout out to uh, Batforce Grumps on that. He told me last night he read the first book of Earth One and put it down. I was like, why are you fucking kidding? Did yeah. he have a seizure or something? Not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was not on board with that one. That's a shame. Ratings? Wait. Five. Sam, how edgelordy is this? Joke? Yeah, you didn't give us your edgelord rating. This isn't real. <laughs> Fuck you. No, it is. Every time, every, time, every time the Joker appears from here on out, I want to know how edgelord he is. <laughs> I'm just going to edit it out. I don't care. <laughs> That's stupid, Sam. You don't get to do that. We have a format. I crave consistency in my soul. This, nope. First time viewing this movie is a five. Because I've seen it so many times, it's like, it's a four. Heath Ledger is a five every time. Realistically, the movie's a four. 60% of the time, it works every time. <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs> 
I give it a five. I mean, easy five. It's so influential, so entertaining. Um, we have our tiny issues with it, but I mean, Jesus Christ, if if this isn't a five, what is? For, uh, I'll start Batman. For a live action movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a five, that's fair. I think I've just seen it too many times and it's really long. For all the things that we've seen, though, I don't think that there really is any comparison to this. I have, I've, this, ooh, the people are going to come after me on this one. The, <laughs> the, the three of us who listen to this, they're going to come after me. But, uh, uh, I like Under the Red Hood more. Again, we're not, but... Well, said, I, I don't think anything compares to this. I can. Oh, uh, okay. Well, then I take that back because obviously... Don't say forever. Yes, because obviously <laughs> Batman, Forever, <laughs> because Batman Forever is incredible. So, yes. It's just, it I, not, would be, I would be more down to watch Under the Red Hood again because it's not three weeks long. I don't have to give up a chunk of my life it's to two, watch it. It's two and a half hours. My God. Uh, uh, YouTube videos are like five to ten minutes long. That's the perfect length for any... <laughs> Thing. But do you? I'm a busy. I'm a busy man. Do you binge yeah, watch Netflix man. shows? Sometimes, yeah. yeah I do. Well, then fuck yourself. <laughs> it takes me. It takes me three days to watch one Netflix show. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's like ten Batman movies in the same time that this does one Batman movie. It's two and a half hours. It's not that bad. As soon as you told me this is what we were gonna watch, I started watching it the next day, and it took me. <laughs> it took me one month to watch this movie. <laughs> Man, you are gonna have a hard time with the next two episodes because we got some length. <laughs> I'm really glad that Ben bailed on the last one because I actually wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't even ready. Yeah. Wait, are I'm you just gonna wing it? Are you joking? Did you watch it in short pieces? <laughs> no. I know. I, after all these years, I still can't read you. <laughs> no, that was that was all fake. But if you cut out that Edge Lord Joker stuff, we cannot be friends anymore, and that is no lie. I will quit if you cut it out, unless you put it in a different one later. You splice it in somehow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you didn't mind revisiting an earlier episode. I honestly want to revisit it myself, so I didn't listen to this. I didn't do a fresh edit. I just want to listen to it like you guys do on Friday, and then watch my my 4k blu-ray guys uh, because that's what i collect now but i want to watch that as well and i like getting to kind of watch the movie in my head first while listening to the podcast so anyway hope you guys liked it we will be back to dc black label as promised we've recorded an episode that is the cami garcia serial killer book joker harley criminal sanity 